Hello and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Ben Mandelker, and we are at episode, well, we're at round 14, turn 6, also known as... Turn 9, actually. Turn 9. Oh my god, dyslexia. <laughs> oh my, we went back in time. Upside down it, dyslexia, Upside actually. down. Well, what what are numbers anyway? We're well, at, you know, 2021 is... Everything's turned upside down. Everything is upside down. Guys, I am here with Dimitri Portnoy. Hello, the, everyone. The philosophical gamer. And Paul Satachit, the game breaker. Um, there we go. There we go. Here notice, I am. Here I am. Notice I created space for that. You did. I, I, I thank you for creating space for me. Man. In the spirit of yes and, yes, and, I gave you space to do your sound effect. That's right. We are recording this the day after Christmas. I yes. believe it's called Boxing Day uh, across the Atlantic. Uh, it explains why I feel so chill and festive. Yes, you seem very festive. Yes, I also feel chill and festive because I feel so comfortable behind a mic with two of my best friends having a discussion uh, where I can be myself and I know I can be seen and heard and understood and accepted. Oh, well, that was... Is, is that going to be like a theme for this week? <laughs> oh, possibly. We're going to oh. be talking about that later, of course. I thought you were just trying to disarm us. That well, way we wouldn't disagree. Tr- it's true, but it, we're going to be talking about this feeling. Wow. Can't stop this feeling, guys. So uh, today is a very uh, special uh, day. Well, one quick. You know, you know that phrase, can stop, won't stop? Yes. Yes, and? Yes, and. I just, at, you know, at age 20, moment, 40 something, uh, I just learned that I've always been saying it can't stop, won't stop. And it's actually can stop, won't stop. Like you can stop, but you won't stop. Oh, is oh, that true? I always thought it was can't stop, won't stop. That's, like that's not, what I only would I, not only can't, can I not stop, but I wouldn't even stop if I had the opportunity to. I, 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 thought, it, I, I, I thought that too, but like someone, you know, uh, corrected me and it says like no it's can stop won't stop i can stop but i won't this is the first time that i realized that the version that i thought it was which is the same version that you two thought it was um is actually redundant yeah of course it should be i can stop but i won't well it's, because otherwise you can't stop of course you won't stop or this Why person could be wrong and i'm and i think I'm, your person's I'm, wrong and, according and to the internet uh-huh the internet know. now listen i mean i don't want listen I know you can stop saying it, like can stop, won't stop, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to encourage you to... Can't stop. Can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to point out that the irony that, you know, that uh, that you actually stopped the the, the introduction Mm -hmm. to say can't stop, won't stop, (laughs) 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 which actually, by the way, that sounded like a no but attitude there but it was actually a yes and i'm trying to yes and yeah yes and oh my god we're driving everyone nuts right now so um so this is our gift to you (laughs) our listeners for christmas because originally we were going to take a two-week break for christmas and new year's and i said no can't stop won't stop (laughs) can't stop won't stop we need to yes and so we're recording this episode it will be a full episode except for we're not going to have news because there's no news over Christmas. There's not really any news. Uh, but but everything else will be uh, the same. And if this episode isn't as polished as you know as you've been grown to, <laughs> you have, uh, as our NPR like quality uh, that exactly, we normally have, uh, we apologize. <laughs> uh, there's no reason to apologize because um, we are just you know look it's, we're we're three friends gathering here together mm-hmm. to talk about some games and today we are going to be talking about. 
the 2014 game City Hall. And then afterwards, Dimitri is going to take us on a journey. This is, <laughs> this is a journey, and I'm excited to talk about this, but also this is the first time I've been on like a Dimitri journey episode. I mean, I don't we can't guarantee that's gonna be a journey, but it feels like it's gonna be a it's journey. It's definitely the Portnoy brand. Yeah. Like, I feel like all the episodes I've been on with you, Dimitri, have been sort of, uh, we talked about, like, last time we talked about things to be a better gamer, but today is going to be more a philosophical Dimitri moment. It's going to be one of those, uh, but I will also mention sci-fi books and Disney movies. Perfect. I mean, and listen, I'm, I'm not saying, like, this is a bad thing. I'm, I'm like, you know, very excited about it. Can't stop. <laughs> can't stop. Won't stop. That's the theme for today. I'm going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the boss shows are about. Um, so before we, oh, actually, before we get into game night, a very important thing to note, which is that while this is being recorded, there is a cake that is also being baked and actually it's post baking and it has to be turned out of its pan. And it's, that's the, the thing is going to be any moment now. And I say we play a game as this is the spirit of, of game night. Okay. Uh, or, or game brain. Whoever is talking when the thing beeps has to what, give a hot take about whatever we're talking about. Or sure, sure. what happens with you though? Oh, I can give a hot take about anything. It won't often be right, but I can. Oh, sure, sure. As as you are unpanning your cake, or maybe you just have to do a sure, sure, or a hundred percent, hundred percent. Sure, the sure. Uh, maybe instead of unpanning your cake, we're gonna pan your cake. Yes, wow. quite possibly. Wow, that that sounds a little bit. That's like a veiled no, but. <laughs> okay, let us move on to game night. Game night. <laughs> in, before, the, in the Christmas spirit. Before you launch into games, um, uh, I want to tell everyone that uh, Ben baked uh, a grapefruit white chocolate cake uh, the previous game night on Paul's birthday. That's it right. Was Paul's birthday cake. Um, and it was a remarkable cake. It tasted like a grapefruit. Rather than being grapefruit flavored, mm. it combined all these elements to have a cake representation of a grapefruit. Um, and it reminded me of like the themes of some games. Really? You know, some games put all the elements together to create this beautiful theme. And some games just use theme as flavoring. And in this case, it was like the grapefruit theme of the cake was actually seen all the way through. Absolutely. It was a Gesamtkunstwerk. Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much. And uh, it was that cake did wind up being very, very good. So if anyone wants the recipe, I'll, I'll try to find it to, online to put on uh, on our Facebook group, by the way, which you should all go to the Game Brain Game Brain. It's just on Facebook. Just <laughs> <laughs> the group. And it doesn't have a good hyperlink for me yeah, to give you. Yeah. But uh, for sure. And so right now, actually, uh, the cake that has just come out is actually a celebration, I feel like, of all three of us. It all is a, three, yeah. Yeah. So it's a chocolate beet cake, chocolate orange beet cake. So I feel like the beets represent you, Dimitri. Me from Ukraine. My grandmother actually uh, ran a beet processing plant where mm -hmm. they took beets and made them into sugar. And it's to reflect your earthy personality. I am nothing if not earthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the orange, I realize, represents you went to school in Florida. I, I went to school in Florida, and I am slightly uh, asorbic. 
I mean, acerbic, but okay. close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just, I just absolutely, I'm a chocoholic, so right. I'm just, the, I'm, I'm that part of it. So it's going to represent all of us. We don't know how it's going to turn out. That's right. And if it's hideous, it will be, uh, it'll, it'll still be a, a move forward. Will it, will it get the like the wonderful praise that the the grapefruit turned will it turn out like this episode? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's tune in next time for our Dimitri episode to can't, find out how the cake was. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. Okay, so game night. Um, I've, I think over the past uh, week or week and a half or so, uh, I know I've gotten to play a bunch of games, but uh, what about uh, Dimitri? Tell us about some of the games that you have played recently. Well, I played Pulsar 2846, I believe. 49. I 49. Mm-hmm. That six oh, and that oh, nine. Oh, 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 it's just dyslexia. Upside down. We're it's a theme down. now. It's a theme. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, with, with Paul, Mike, and Gillison. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a very pretty uh, abstract game, but for me, the middle was a little bit not eventful. Uh, it, it didn't have... Uh, the milestones, like when you complete a system in the Gaia project or have a major battle in Eclipse, it felt like like a two-hour swirl yeah. of trying to rack up points. Um, and, and for me, that's a little too long. Okay. It, it, is, a, it is a longer game than you might, you might anticipate, right? Yes, yes. Uh, although it also reminded me uh, of that game that Tom brings out uh, of... of uh, Pitch Car. Uh, no, no, no. The, the I'm sorry. Yes, and <laughs> yes, and Tom the, does bring out pitch card, but he also brings out that game of of orbits and solar system and launching. Oh, High Frontier. High, High Frontier. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, and it's shorter than High Frontier, which which can be a, several hours long. And but that, that's mostly because of libertarian rants. I, I think. Oh, <laughs> yes. that can happen. Paul, what did you think of? Uh, once again, like uh, Ben and I had played this a couple weeks earlier, and I was uh, quite taken by it for the fact that I saw it in Ben's collection, I've seen it in Matt's collection, and I've seen it in Tom's collection, and I've never played it until that day at Ben's, and I felt like, oh, it's a it's a pretty fun enough abstract, you know, yeah. like I, I would go like, oh, this is something I would give to people who were getting sick of Ticket to Ride. And this was another layer of com- complexity. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, that's I, 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 I no, yes, <laughs> yes, and but also, <laughs> yes, and but also. <laughs> that's the next step. That's yes, right. and but also. Let's just cut out that middle and say yes, and also. yes, and also. Oh. I've actually never uh, heard or thought of it compared to a ticket and ride. I guess you're not comparing a ticket and no. ride. You're saying of that next tier of. It's like. When you play Ticket to Ride, you, I think most people get to a point where they go, oh, I get this game. Yeah. And like, you know, whether you play the expansions, like Germany is an expansion, right, or, or whatever, it's still the same game. And there isn't uh, a real complication that makes it more interesting. And I feel like this would be the next level to that. Like, you know, because you're just really, you know, for, and we're just not review, but Pulsar, you're basically, uh, you get two moves, <laughs> you yeah. pick a dice, you might get three. And you get to do various things. It's like collecting routes in some ways. And mm-hmm. and what it winds up being is like, like for all of it, Ticket to Ride isn't a, a train game as much as it is an abstract. And I think Pulsar is also an abstract. It's not mm-hmm. a space travel game. But like yeah. its abstractness uh, can be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like it was. And I we played it with Mike, you and I, Ben, right? Yeah. And I, I not when I started playing it, I was like, oh, Mike is going to love this game. Yes. And, and his it, eyes like became yeah. saucers. No pun and, intended. And he, and he crushed me. He lost to you by one point. 
uh, and uh, and yes. when we played, uh, Dimitri, myself, and David Gillison, and Mike and Gillison, Mike. like Mike was crushing in the beginning. He was crushing, and I was going, I, I, I was just going, how am I so bad at this game? Mm. I, I, I should be better at this game. It's a common Paul refrain. But you won. But I won. You won Another because common, you <laughs> common thing that happens yes. after that refrain. And, and, and you won because you paid attention to the final conditions and you traveled a lot. Uh, and those conditions uh, in the game are fulfilled by hitting certain milestones and also having enough energy cubes that are currency to pay for them. That's something I completely forgot about. I yeah, didn't energy pay cubes is a, that's a those uh, cubes, uh-huh. those cubes that I paint. David Gillison even asked Dimitri, "I have a pile of cubes right next to me. What did you think I was saving them for?" And I didn't know they were his. I thought that was just a common <laughs> just, supply. He had so much; it seemed like his own supply. And, and you got to uh, remember those cubes. For me, that final condition is a bit of a pain in the ass. Mm. I'd, I'd rather have uh, mid-game events and mid-game milestones mm. than have to remember something for two hours. Um, and uh, that kind of brings me to Ark Nova, mm-hmm. which I had a three-player oh, game. I just, I, just wa- I, I do want to say, sorry, one, sure. one thing about Pulsar 2849, which is, first of all, I love the, I absolutely love it. I adore it. I think it's so fun. And I, I, I think the decisions are so interesting and rich. And the only thing I really want to add to it, because we may have actually talked about it last time, is that just to piggyback off what you were saying, Paul, I would actually amend it slightly and say that like, after Ticket to Ride, I feel like the next step would be like a Castles of Burgundy. Mm. And then after Castles of Burgundy, this is the next step because it kind of actually has a lot of the spiritual, spiritually same things of you, you take two dice, you're drafting dice, and then you're using those dice to do things on the board. So that's sort of like the next level. Oh, oh. okay. Here comes the beef went off. Here comes the hot take. I think I like 2849 more than Castles of Burgundy. Boom, hot take. Okay, so we're gonna vamp a little bit till Ben uh, upside down his cake right now. I, yeah. So what what did you think of Spider Man, Paul? I, I uh, actually we, we, uh, Ben suggests we talk about Ark Nova because this is your time to uh, shine, Dimitri. Uh, sure. So three players. Um, uh, we we played a three player game with me, uh, Elder, and Bruce um, at Jennifer's place. Uh, I love it. Uh, I I think it's a a terrific, charming game. Uh, We're going to review it next month on the podcast, so I don't want to say too much about it. But uh, the the thing about final scoring, uh, which which I didn't like in Pulsar, which I think Arc Nova does really well, is that it has two scoring tracks. One for fun, exciting things like animals and tickets. This is a game about a zoo. Uh, And and one for uh, dull administrative things uh, that are a drag, like institutional partnerships and conservation projects. And those two scoring tracks run in opposite directions. I've never seen that in a game. Mm. It's a wonderful way to keep track. It's an end game condition. It tells you at a glance how well you're doing or how well you're going to do. Um, and it's also a really witty, for me, way to encapsulate the experience of a lot of my friends who are in institutions like zoos, primarily universities, oh. where they have these really cool things they can't wait to do and that score really highly. But if they neglect the institutional projects, if they neglect the partnerships and the conservation and all that dull stuff, uh, it'll get them at the end. 
So mm-hmm. not only is it an interesting mechanism in scoring, I feel it's really a commentary on uh, 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 the real life nature of running an institution mm, like that's... a zoo. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. And if the game had nothing else, that by itself would be commended. Diana. And it has so much. Um, was it hard to learn? Uh, you know, it. I felt the iconography was really clear. Uh, there are certain imbalances in the game uh, in terms of visually... A lot of your attention, a lot of your visual field is taken up by things that don't really give you information. But the cards are really well designed. The cards are like in in, um, Terraforming Mars, where... Uh, the little marks on them, and there are a lot of little marks on them, you very quickly learn what they mean. Uh, They're very intuitive. Uh, And once you see like four or five cards, you'll be able to read all of them very easily. Yeah, I'm I'm still very excited to try it out. I know um, everyone's been talking about it and everyone seems to really love it. So, you know, uh, you know, hopefully I can... Hopefully, I can uh, get a plan before I have to start traveling again. Yeah, no, can't stop, won't stop. Any uh, any other games uh, that you played that are of note to you? Well, I want to thank Trey uh, because Trey provided me with one of the highlights uh, of my game playing for the past couple of months uh, in in that mind reading word game that we played. So the the game that we played on. On the the when we when we got together and yeah. uh, we had the cake, the, grape, cake the, yes. the game is called Medium. Yes, yes. Uh, and basically, uh, you you get a random selection of you let, you get a random card with, hand with a word. Draw, where each of the cards have a word. Uh, one, you're a pair. Uh, one of you lays down one word. Uh, the other person lays down the word, and you're supposed to guess the third, the single word that those two words imply. So, can you give an example? Uh, well, I'm going to give the example of oh, that perfect. actually happened. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was an aha moment of a type that I've never gotten in even party games that I love, like Wavelength, that are suspenseful, but don't get that single eureka. Uh, I laid down Carl because I thought it was a nice, safe choice. Trey laid down Zoo, and I said, what the, what can he possibly mean? And then it, like, a, a, a light bulb went off. We looked at each other. We were holding hands, according you to the rules. You actually have to hold the hands in the rules. You're supposed to yes. clasp each other's yes. hands it's and look at each other's eyes, because you're supposed to divine the word that's in between the two words that you guys and both have. I knew it was the right answer, and we both said Safari at, at the same time. Uh, and it was just a really, really wonderful moment. And uh, there may be party games I like mo- more, Wavelength, Wits and Wagers. But for that moment when everything works and you really do communicate, that was really special. Yeah. And I actually would also like Trey like to thank Trey for uh, giving me one of my favorite mo- moments of 2021 and you know me being the collector of people losing their minds uh, <laughs> on the same game like you know the next turn in fact uh, Dimitri and I were trying our medium uh, ability I put the word movie <laughs> and Dimitri put the word yellow and you know there is some discussion and then Trey goes like, you know, like Yellow Submarine, right? <laughs> and we're submarine, right? And Dimitri could not stop cussing Trey out. <laughs> this it is was, actually true. It was so, so 
mad. I was going like, really? This is amazing. Psychic, because he's trying to. You're probably trying to have another psychic connection. I will say that I have. I don't believe, Dimitri, that I've seen you laugh as much in any of these party games I've ever played with you. I like you had such a smile on your. Like you were laughing, and actually everyone was laughing. Okay. And this game medium. Uh, like you said, it's not like the, the actual quality of the game is flimsy, but um, it sort of becomes the a little bit more of an act. The emergent play it becomes like an activity. And the funny part is how you had this this wonderful magical experience where you guys both got to safari at the same time. And like that's what's amazing about the game. But what's also hilarious is the, when you just whiff. And I was whiffing. I just, I guess I don't communicate with you guys because no. I whiffed with you, Paul, several and times. Trey. And Trey, oh God, Trey and I went down this thing where. What did he say? He said his was like flight attendant and mine was uh, was was blazer or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, we went down a path that was not <laughs> not consistent. Yeah, it was like when we played Balorati and Dom and I were completely on different wavelengths. Yes. Of course, Paul understood exactly uh how to communicate with Dom, and it was like, I was so sad. I, I was like, oh, God, am I stupid? But, but actually, this is what's fun you, about you this. You won, Dimitri, the, the game, yeah. because like because uh, after we threw away uh, like Yellow Submarine and, and Trey had to talk you down for a sec, we did uh, uh, basically movie and criminal. Criminal, yes. And we got Godfather. Godfather. At, uh, yes. And then you said Godfather. What does that have to do with criminals? <laughs> no, I was. <laughs> you I think was it's thinking, a family movie? No, I thought it was. I was thinking something. I don't remember what I was thinking at the time. I just remember. I wish I had like committed to memory all my fantastic whiffs. Because what's so funny about the game is when you when you got when you when you and your partner somehow land on that same thing sometimes it's obvious like yellow mm-hmm. su- yellow for movie and yellow the submarine thing would was uh, would have been an obvious thing but sometimes it's hard and when you both like stick that landing together it, it is like a, a brief very magical moment but when you miss the the best part about the game is because again you hold hands and you look into each other's eyes and you have to count down three two one and you're supposed to say this word together and to have this moment where you sort of say it together with this confidence, like I know we're I know we're in we, we both are in the same place. And you say two different words that are just totally different. It's just this hilarious, just like fall flat on your face moment. Uh, again, the game is really, really fun, even when you're playing it badly. Yes. Um and, and uh yeah. Uh Tom is gonna get it. Oh, is he good? And he's never going to bring it out because he's only going to play it with couples, with Moira, his wife, yeah. and, and other couples from his church or from his family. And uh, I will never see it again. Well, I, I'll, I'll bring it to game night. And I really encourage people, if you see it, it's a, it's a really fun time. There are some, you know, you'll see the rules. There's like some deck building you have to do to make these, these cards. There's a little bit of fussiness actually in the setup that's probably not necessary, but, um, but, even if you don't get the game, you probably just could find some some sort of list of words. You can exactly. make it work. Like, it's it's a it's a real blast, uh, and just play it until it's you don't want to play it anymore. Because if you play the full game, it actually goes on way longer than it should. But at the same time, you should get the game because you should support out it out of gratitude. Out of for, absolutely for this idea. I actually totally agree with that. Don't listen to what I said. That, I, that was a that was actually uh, mm. you should no and me on that no button me on that one because you should totally support the designer of the game. Um, <laughs> Uh, Paul, how about you? Any good uh, games? Uh, I played two games. Uh, one, uh, one game of Avalon. Uh, Dimitri was involved. It was uh, 
it was glorious. You know, in that it was a great one. victory for you. Oh, oh, oh. I was driving. I wasn't there in time. So, uh, Dimitri... Wait, no. It was glorious for me, too, actually. Was it? Well, you tell well, him, and I'll say why it was yeah. glorious for me. So, so ultimately, uh, I was Merlin this time, which is actually a very rare thing. I don't actually be uh, in Merlin often. And uh, the good guys won, you know, and now it was the bad guys' turn to pick Merlin. And Dimitri, you know... Actually, and we're going to put pause here. We're going to rewind one week later. And Dimitri spend and I spend three hours talking about Avalon and having like you know this philosophical discussion about what you know what the state of our meta and blah blah blah. Yeah. And ultimately, it ends with me going like, "Well, you just have to assert your opinion harder, Dimitri." Flash forward back to this moment. Dimitri goes, "Paul is Merlin," and then like you know, there's some discussion, and then Trey once again goes like. Well, you know, or is it Tom? And then, uh, this was was not a safari moment. uh, This was not a safari moment. (laughs) No. And I'm going like, and like my head, when we play uh, Avalon, the good guys put their heads down so like we don't reveal anything. And as my head is down looking at it, I go like, is this really going to happen? Because I think he got me, but oh, look, he's snatching victory out of the jaws of defeat. Or, or no. Just the defeat, opposite, snatching defeat. defeat. Out of the jaws. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going like, oh, wow. And then he, they pick Tom and, you know, and uh, I win. Well, we win. I mean, not I win, but like we win. And I'm like going like, wow, that was the most, the saddest way to end the Avalon year. <laughs> yes, because I completely forgot my lesson. Yeah, no. Yeah, my hard-earned lesson after three hours of driving from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. after game night. <laughs> Listen, you can't change overnight. It's, it's going to take a few times. I, I yes. also am working on a certain yes. myself, uh, and I, I get I it. I must stop bowing to Trey. Uh, but, but, wait, wait, no, but, but, but that being I said. I want to talk about your moment of victory. Yes. Because uh, obviously when you play Avalon, you have seven people or more around the table. You don't know. They don't know who the spies are or who the good guys are. We're all talking. Ben comes in, takes one look. Because I was late. I I was late. uh, I had an obligation. So I I walk in at the end of this game. Or or three quarters whatever. You walk in at the end of the game when we're just discussing things and trying to conceal who everyone is. Ben takes one look at the table. And I say, oh, these three guys are the bad guys. Like, just like as a joke. And he was right. I was totally right. <laughs> I had, he, I called. <laughs> you totally read us in some, you mind melded I had a us. medium you, moment. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you probably have some kind of special power oh, that the CIA might. I hope so. No, no. If the CIA is listening. No. <laughs> I think for like a really impromptu uh, game day, I think it was like a, a Monday. Yeah, it was for 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 just being like it was like a few hours ahead yeah, of yeah, time. It, it was just like like you know, I think we were just like Trey was leaving for Texas, on, and right. so for a, for just like going oh, uh, do we go play? I was like ah, do I really go play games today? I wasn't planning to, and then and then it, it worked out really well. Like it, it actually it it really did, and I'm so glad we did it. Um, because uh, one of the games we played, and I know you have another game to talk about, sure. but I figure as long as we're talking about that night, we the three of us actually we we played the review game mm-hmm. today, but we also <laughs> we also played Once Upon a Time. Oh yes, that's right. Which I hadn't <laughs> played in years, and uh, for those who don't know, it's kind of like it's a storytelling card game kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, I first learned about the game back when 
there was that thing, uh, tabletop, tabletop that Will Wheaton would do. Mm-hmm. And I think he played it on there and it was like very entertaining to me. And so I bought it and I've had a lot of fun time playing that game in the past. I hadn't played it in years and we were looking for like a, just a little game to end off the night. And, uh, I don't know. Like, I just was like, what about once upon a time? And we played it. And, uh, basically the gist of the game is that you as a group are telling a communal fairy tale and everyone has their own card. That is like the ending of the fairy tale. And we're all trying to, you're trying to get the fairy tale to come to your ending. And if, if your ending is the one that gets to be the ending, you win. And along the way, there's some other stuff that crafts the story. You got to sort of play cards out of your hands that are like words and objects and things like that. And um, I had a delightful time playing oh, that. That great. was a very fu- again, Dimitri. You were laughing quite a bit in that. Uh, I was. I discovered the Staten Island fairy. Yes, uh, which is this magical fairy in Staten Island who can talk to you. Uh, and and I was very proud of that. Again, yeah, and it's it's language games. We, yeah, I believe our fairy tale was about there was a couple on the Upper East Side of Manhattan that was going to get married, but then they went to the cloisters for something, and they found a frog, and the frog said, "By the way." Uh, there's going to be a curse. curse. <laughs> there's going to be a curse on you, and all your wedding guests are going to fall asleep for a year. And the only way to lift the curse is to go to Staten Island. So someone Talk named... Talk to the Queen of Staten Island. The Queen of Staten <laughs> Island. And so uh, Rita Moreno, no relation, went to Staten Island <laughs> to find this Queen of Staten Island and, you know, hijinks uh, 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 Like, you know, it'll be published. <laughs> you know. yes. It had a great arc to it. Uh, by the way, I visited Cloisters in June for the first time. I, I don't know why I waited so long. If any of you can go and have not yet, uh, you should. As it's seen in West Side Story. Magical fairy tale museum where uh, you can, like, when you, I you was look at sad tapestries. to leave. Yeah. I was sad to leave. Um, Paul, so I was going to play with you, Matt, and Candace, and then I had, like, a scratch in my throat, and I just felt like I was going to be irresponsible because I thought, like, maybe I... I was like, I don't think I have coronavirus, but if I do, I would feel, I don't want to be the one that's like, oh, that's totally nothing. And then I like become a super spreader. So you guys got to play Great Wall. Can you we tell did. us about, how was it? Uh, you know, it was like very fun. It looked fun. Like, like it had, you know, uh, Matt says correctly, like it has great board presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and ultimately you are... You know, the, you are various. I don't know if this, I'm saying this right, but you're various clans, and there are the Mongol horde attacking China, and you are defending against them by creating and manning the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. And so you, you know, you either like add troops, or you add height to the wall, or whatever. And uh, it feels. What was that? I played this with Elder Perseverance, right? I played with Elder and Matt. Like I think it was the dinosaur game where you set up your. I've never played it, but I've heard of it. Uh, and I, pl- I played on TTS during uh, the first part of the pandemic, <laughs> uh, and I think it's coming out soon. Like I think like the physical copies are coming out anyway. Okay. And it feels a little bit like that, like you know, like you're just you're just bracing for the invasion, and it's somewhat cooperative, but not really. Uh, and I, it was just really fun because like. Because you're just like it has just the right amount of cardboard, so that I'm not really a big fan of like games that create elevation. You know, like oh, here's a wall. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's it it was really cute, and you know, and there's something 
It wasn't cute. It was cute's not the right. That, let's, let's know about that one. It's not cute. It was. It was cool. It looked cool. Sure. Like, there's something cinematic about it in yes. a way that I was going like. You guys oh, sent me. What, you guys sent me photos. That's yeah. why I'm responding. Was there a to Matt Damon it. character? Well, I, I, I role played Matt Damon as the like <laughs> Asian man playing. Uh, a white man in a movie called <laughs> Did anyone complain that the game did not have uh, it was not as successful because of, because of the kids these days on their TikTok? Uh, no, no. Uh, but I will say that, like you know, it's not a game for. I, I would say it's a game for everyone. There's a certain lightness. You have, it's a. I, I think it's a. Like you play a big game and then you want to play a light game. You know, like so it's it's that aspect where you go like, oh, here's we're, we're having this great game day. We've played brass or something. You know, let's play something lighter, like you know. And then you play this, and uh, it has Euro elements, but there's a little like campiness that uh, feels mm-hmm. correct, you know. It, it, like because like you you have little wood pieces on cardboard walls shooting down at. That's fun. It's like play. It's yeah, got, yeah. It hits those elements of play, right? Yeah, exactly, and it you could definitely break the spirit of it if you were really like fisting tight onto the win. Like you want to win. You, you could really go like, Oh, this is, you could just go like, Oh, you're, 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 you're harshing it. You're like sort of like destroying the soul of it because mm-hmm. you're just focusing on the mechanics instead of actually the fun it, and the play and exactly. the silliness. Some of the, it sounds like it's like they got a silly element. That's in the a word way. I would use. And, and not in a bad way. And, and, and like, is there a word between cool and silly? Uh, we'll come back to that. Yes, and, and <laughs> also another word that we can't think of. So, right. um, I've been thinking a little bit about the intersection of games and toys, mm-hmm. uh, how you play with both. Uh, but for me, they're very distinct. But I'm also thinking that maybe some games are kind of toy-like. Mm-hmm. Is this an example of that? Because nope. oh no. Nope. So it's like you might build a wall and no, it, like the wall is like that was real, not a good yes and no, but but, but 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 there's a there's <laughs> that was a, just a no. There's a it's wrong. No, <laughs> 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 it's it's not that. Like you know, there is like the wall is just one. What's the word I want to use? One action you can take, uh, and so it, it feels it feels very much like a game that you've played before. There's nothing here. That you go like, oh, this is an innovative mm-hmm. new mechanic, except for one thing that Matt uh, talks about, and I'm, I'm sure maybe Matt and myself and Candice will review it or, or something. Yeah, like I, I would love to play it. At first, I was like, you know, I wasn't that excited, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew that Matt was excited to play, yeah. it, and I was like, I'll give it a shot and everything. Um, but then when I I watched like a playthrough, I was like, actually, you know, because at first I thought it was going to be sort of another like Ankh or something mm-hmm. like that, and then um, it actually looked like it was more in my wheelhouse than I would have expected. And it, and when you guys ultimately sent me a photo, because of course I was like, what did I miss? I looked at it, I was like, I had some FOMO, (laughs) I had some true FOMO. And then I looked at it, I was like, Ooh, that actually looks really fun. And I was, I was sad that I missed out. Yeah, no, I I think there are games that will seduce you by its sheer virtuosity. Yeah. Like a lot of people, I'm not one of these people, but like love Imperial Steam by just it's, you know, it's, here's what it is. And like, oh my God, it's so great. Like, I'm not one of those people, but Transcontinental, another one where like, like, oh, it's just so compelling. And then other games that are, here is something that, uh, that you guys play and it facilitates this great uh, camaraderie, the thing that you're playing for. Like, I think we had a discussion while baking the cake about restaurants where there are some restaurants that really go like this whole cuisine is amazing but you know sometimes just cooking a steak and having good bread 
uh, is just as good, if not better, yes. if, depending on what you want. And so I feel like this is a steak and bread <laughs> a steak and bread game. I like that. <laughs> Some repertoire beer pretzels. That's the appetizer game. Steak, steak and bread. <laughs> um, okay, well, I can tell you about a game that's definitely not steak and bread. Okay, let's hear your non-steak and bread game. Uh, controversially... Well, what, regardless, regardless of where you stand on this game, you, I think you can agree it's definitely not oh, steak no, and bread. Is, is it towards the end of the day? Is it like dusk? Is it? The, it's almost like twilight. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Candace and I um, and and some others we played uh, Twilight Imperium because you know mm-hmm. uh, Twilight Imperium four with the prophecy of the King's expansion. As one does. As one does. This is the first time that either of us had played with the expansion. Uh, we dedicated a full day to it because Candace and I are, are apparently the the ones who like are pro this game. We 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 wave the banner. What's the what's the term for it? We, carry we champion the, it. Carry, carry the flag. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we champion it, and uh, so we played this uh, about a week ago. Gathered at her place at ten in the morning, nine in the morning, nine in the sure. morning. Uh, and we played until 7 p.m. And um, oh my god, it was so fun! It was I, it was actually the most fun I'd ever had playing that game. It was it was so dramatic, and there were so many ridiculous moments. And at first, we thought like, wh- where where are we going to stand on this on this uh, expansion? And I'm sure that you know, Candice and I are hoping and planning to do a Twilight Imperium review ultimately sure. with Tom, who is, of course, the most vocal naysayer. Um, and I'm really looking forward to eventually doing that. But it takes it takes, it takes, it takes some time to get some reps in. Yeah. But this was... Um, I had heard that the expansion is like a lot of stuff. And it's not modular. It's all or nothing. And so we had all this expansion stuff and we were all reading out our powers. It took like 40 minutes for us all to share. Like, oh, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. And... Um, at first, it was like, oh, gosh, what's, what's this going to be like? And uh, ultimately, I, you know, when I think back on the expansion, there were things that I liked about it, things that I, you know, I was ambivalent on. I can't say authoritatively, like, oh, my God, you always have to play with this expansion. But the fact that it was the most fun I'd ever had playing the game, there's something has to be said for that, right? I don't know if the expansion created, like, took it to its next level, but it was... There was a moment when I had built up to, there's something called like a, a war sun, I believe. It's this big Epcot center thing. It's like a Death Star, but it has like little legs because it has to have legs to be to sure, exist sure. on the board. Or in space. <laughs> it, has these, it looks sort of like an octopus, uh-huh. like yeah. a, but an octopus with all its legs going sure. down. <laughs> you, know, you, know that, you know that kind of octopus, right, right. you know, a very still. Like, yeah, it's some, some kind of Lovecraftian creature. You know, like when an octopus goes like straight up to the surface, that's what it looks like, his legs down. So I have, it's this big, powerful thing that like, you spend a good amount of the game normally built, like if you were going to get one, it's a whole big, you have to research a lot of technology. It takes a few rounds. And I had like maneuvered things that I could, I built mine prematurely. I had a premature war son and no one was paying attention. So I had this theatrical moment where I like put it out on the board. Everyone goes, what? I was like, yeah. And I like pointed to my technology to show that I'd done this. It was like this whole thing. And I had been trapped in my corner and I was like, now I've got my war son and I'm going to, bust my way out of here and I took my war son and I like went to the next tile and I I basically messed some stuff up 
I'm going to be PG here. And I was like feeling all badass. I was like, yeah, I got my war son. And then this uh, Matt, Candace's Matt, played this card, his hero card. Matt number three. Matt number three. <laughs> and in the expansion, there's a hero card where you can use it once per game. It has this crazy thing. And in a heartbeat, like I had to roll a die. And I was like, no more war son. Yeah. No more war son. <laughs> it was like, roll, roll from one to three. Goodbye, war son. And all those little fighters and things that were attached to it. And of course, I rolled a two. And it was like this big moment because we all knew, we're like, when is Matt going to play his card? All game. When's he going to play this card that he's going to do this crazy thing? And we're like, oh, this is the moment. It's happening now with the war son. And we, everyone's gathered around the dice tower. And I put this die in and like plinked all the way down. And that two showed up and everyone, oh, like, like it was just. It was a horrific thing to happen to my game. Some would even say it was like, it could have been soul-defeating and mm-hmm. terrible, but the sheer theatrics of it all, the way that the entire group was cheering like a, like a touchdown on a football t- you know, game, uh, you cannot, like that's the magic of board gaming sure, to me. Sure. You like, know? It, there should be a word that means devastating and so fun. Yeah. Devastating fun. Devastating, De- devastating fun. fun. <laughs> a dev sub, dev fun. Actually, the word is awful uh, because originally oh, it awe. meant fu- exactly. Oh, full yeah. of awe. Oh, okay. Well, it was an awful moment, but it was you know it, it was it, it was one of those things where I'm like, this is going to be a moment that we're going to talk about. And the funny thing was, then after that, there were like five more moments that round that were like that. Oh, sure. So it was really, it was a really special it's, time. It's like, oh. This is going to leave a mark. It was. It was. It left, it left a mark. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, Candace and I and, and Matt number three, we gathered and we played Urban Sprawl. Okay. Because... Uh, cities. Cities. We're like, like, why not? We've been playing City Hall. Uh, Urban Sprawl is uh, was designed by the late um, Chad Jensen, I believe is his name. I'm okay. so sorry. I should probably look up his name. I, but um, it's, it's a city building game. Uh, from about from GMT from like 2012, uh, less of a success for me. Mm. It was, um, it was, it's, it's a. Did you play with the Warson expansion? <laughs> there was no. I wasn't able to get one. I was definitely not able to get my Warson out in that game. Uh, I had heard that the game is very like wonky and chaotic and has these crazy swings, and that's actually all fine. And and Candace, Matt, and I, we had a fun time. Mm laughing at the ridiculousness of it but i i just don't think it's a good game i think it's actually like objectively like not a good game Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm really putting this out there because um you know i love city building games and i've been i've been to board game stores before where i've seen it there and i've been like should i just get this because it looks like everything that i'd love and i have to say if you're if you're if you're like me and you see it like mm, try it out first try it out maybe like i i i I did not think it was good so i I would i would do your do your research see if you can play it online because like you are not ever really like so down on a game they say don't uh yeah i i had fun because i was playing with candace and matt but we were all were kind of like this game is kind of it just it felt a little half-baked and it felt like it was 2012 played it it was her game right yeah, and it was 2012, so it, maybe just also game design has changed since then. I, would, it, I think it'd be great to have a second edition of it where they could like maybe tighten some things up mm. or whatever. Okay. I know it has its fans. There are definitely some prominent reviewers mm. out there who actually really love it. So that's why I say do your research. But for me, it was like it was it w- went on for hours and hours, and 
It was. So if you are a fan of this game, please come on our Discord and just chew Ben out. <laughs> please. <laughs> no, I would love to hear what, what you love about it. It's, it's a very silly game. It's a very silly city building game. But, you know, it, it, has, its, it has its fun parts, but ultimately a miss for me. Uh, it sprawls in time and in space. It's a city sprawl game that takes hours. That is exactly right. Um, all right, so there are no. I don't think there's any other noteworthy games, right? Uh, not for me. Not not for me. Not for you, right? Other well, games on the brain. Are we going to do that? We can do some games in the brain here. Let me. Uh, God, you know what I love? I love this games. Games of the brain. Uh. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains, oh baby! Here's my hot take. I prefer the second version. Really? Oh, next time I'll play you the second. I prefer the original, but I'll play the- next time that you're on, I will play the, the updated version. Thank you. It's more polished. Uh, it has more whistles and bells. Literally. I actually, no, uh, not, not to know but, but like I actually like this version. It's more of a... Steak and bread kite. <laughs> I think you get like you hear like the plaintive wail of the vocalist and like the torture and the emotion that just is front and center with it, which is what I really appreciate. <laughs> the performance, but the performance is the same in both versions. It's just True, it's cushioned but... by all the musicality, by all the instrumentation, yeah, all the beats. Well, it's, it just comes down to like. When you listen to It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday, do you like the acapella version or do you like the one with instrumentation? You know, I prefer the acapella. There you go. The raw. Raw. I haven't thought about that song well, in no, like no. Strip 10 down. minutes. Strip down. <laughs> Strip down. It's like, do you like, uh, no, no, never mind. I'm going to know, I'm going to know about myself and let's hear what game is on, your, on brain. your brain, Dimitri. Well, Boon Lake. Oh, yes. Uh, and Lake. I bounced off of it very hard. Uh, it was a, he tried twice. He tried twice. To be fair, it was like a six-hour play together with a teach. Um, uh, on the other hand, you know, I felt so strongly I hate this game so much. It makes me question myself. Should wow. I have an emotional response like that to games? I mean, basically, when I sat down and I thought, like, why do I hate this? There were two reasons. One... The uh, theme does not make a lot of sense, and, and two, a lot of the actions are repetitive. And then, any given turn, there are five different ways to take a version of the same action. Uh, and y- you know, the theme of barrage doesn't make that much sense. And there are many games where having a choice of how to take an action is a plus. So I'm sitting here, I'm hating on this game. And I'm saying to myself, uh, remember the distinction I made between critics and reviewers? Uh, remind me. I remember you said I don't yes. know. Remind I was the like, audience. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Cr- critics talk to fans. Critics talk to the audience. And rev- uh, I'm sorry, the other way around. Reviewers talk to the audience. Critics talk to the uh, artist. Yes. Uh, and they tell the artist what they've done. And they tell the artist how the audience responds. Uh, and if I have an extreme emotional reaction to a game, I'm kind of pushing the artist away. I'm serving only the audience, saying, don't buy it. But at the same time, if I ignore my emotional reaction, am I really being truthful? I'm glad I didn't have to review it. Uh, I, I'm kind of in the air about it, this. It sounds to me, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, uh, but it sounds to me like you are an awful, terrible person. 
It certainly feels that way. What do you mean by awful? Uh, uh, like, 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 like uh, war son kind of awful. <laughs> um, I am I'm incredibly excited to play Boone Lake, to be honest, because uh, the discussion in our group about this game, it's like, a, like a, it's there- been... There's been so much discussion, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like you hated it. I was I was playing ship uh, shipyard with uh, with Tom at the other end of the table that mm-hmm. one play, and <laughs> you literally said this is hell at one point, and I was like, wow, like that's kind of like an amazingly like, you, visceral you, you, you're, response. You're either you don't want to be in the the valley, you want to either be in complete love or complete hate, because that's both of those are compelling. Yeah. <laughs> But like I'm really excited to try Boone Lake because I I really you know I love Great Western Trail I've I loved Maracaibo and I know that Maracaibo did not really um, wasn't a huge hit in our group like I think some people liked it but I really definitely liked it a lot so I think I would I think I might enjoy this game and Elder said that he he you know the review that we had last week was was actually fairly negative but elder did say he he did enjoy the game and jennifer played it like 11 times so she must enjoy it and she said she would play it she would i don't actually know if she enjoyed it i think what she really is like to her credit she really how should i say like explores her opinion like here's my here's my play I'm gonna. This one play is not enough to create a statistical model, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna play it enough times so, so I have a firm reaction of what how I feel about it. And I think that's a very admirable way of going about it. Yeah, uh, eleven games is a lot. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think she, I think she really knows how she feels about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just think that, like, uh, you know, when Elder says, you know, his he said like he had sort of lost some enthusiasm, but I also don't want to lose facts mm-hmm. of. You know, lose sight of the fact that he did say he had a very good time with it. So I'm, I'm so intrigued mm-hmm. by it now. It's I funny, can't wait to try. Uh, Dimitri and I and Elder played it uh, the first time together. Like you know, uh, and it was was it with Trey? Who was a, who was the te- person teaching it? It was you, me. Elder. Wasn't Jennifer? Was it Jennifer? I think it was Jennifer. Yeah, it was Jennifer. Because yeah, I was uh, playing. Uh, it was, it was I was, yeah, uh, and. Uh, I think Elder was like real. His eyes were like sparkling about his mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, I'm really interested in this game. This is he was playing it, and he really. Uh, I wasn't playing at that time. I was You're playing, playing Prime Peru. Peru. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Who so I, the, with? I only played it once, uh, and it made oh. me lose my cool. I lost I my pl- objectivity. Who was I playing? I think it was Mike. Was it? I think no, it Mike was, was Trey. I think it was Trey. Trey. Oh, I think it was Trey. Trey. I think yeah. and Jennifer was oh, yeah, there. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, yeah. you and Trey are just uh, indistinguishable to me. Uh, well, just yeah, kidding, I Trey. mean, we're so mind melded. We can read each That's other. That's right, Safari. 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 Uh, uh, it was probably after Safari. No, it was before Safari. Never mind. It doesn't matter. But uh, but yeah, no, it, it's very interesting because uh, I I always love to watch your meltdowns, Dimitri. I, yeah, I, and actually, you know, it's funny when you say when I have this negative experience. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like when you hate a game, when I, not you specifically, but I'm trying to speak generally. I was thinking about what is it that when I when I hate a game, like why do I hate a game so much, right? And I think sometimes it's that that moment where you think, this is how I'm spending my time right now. Like, and when you think about like like I have a limited amount of time, a life. dedicated amount of time, like a certain amount of time to play a game, mm-hmm. and I really wanted it to be to be fun, and it was not fun. It's not providing me like the social experience that I want. Then I get angry, and I'm like, I hate this game. But like, if you look at Urban Sprawl, Urban Sprawl, I really thought it was like a failure of a game. I really did, and yet I still had a very lovely, like I had a fun time. I wasn't angry at the game. You know, you hear me just now saying not like I wasn't like, oh my god, mm-hmm. pass on this game. I just was like, you know, it, was, it didn't really work for me because. We had Candace, Matt, and I had a really, really fun time. And so I did not feel like my time was wasted, if that makes sense. And I wonder if you felt like at that moment the game was wasting your time. 
I would have preferred a waste of time. <laughs> well, well, here, here, here's how. Like, in, in there's the, the hot take. <laughs> there's hot take. Boom, cake, cake, cake. No, uh, uh, without, without seeing you play the game, because I didn't see you uh, play it. Like, for my for my hot take, I feel that you do not enjoy being like you know muscled through anything, and I feel like uh, like Boone Lake would have made you do things that you didn't want to do over and over and over again and there's like a complicitness about having a bad time with it would you agree with that yeah because uh, in order to do anything i had to deal with a lot of busy what felt like busy work yeah mm-hmm. uh and and uh, it was preventing me from uh changing actions in mm-hmm. a way that i would have found enjoyable uh and instead kept putting up roadblocks um on the way of what I was trying to do, that I had to find uh, workarounds. It's interesting because, like you know, uh, I think Trey describes Trismegistus this way. Oh yeah, Trismegistus is like, like, the, like uh, basically like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like the, the kind of like that's a, like a four-letter word. I feel like <laughs> in our group at this point, uh, exactly. And uh, and there's the sense of what's the word I want to use, like uh, convolutedness, that makes it so. And that's how I and felt. That- you go. I was gonna say that's how I felt about Darwin's journey. Actually. I was gonna bring Darwin's, Darwin's journey. journey high five. five. Yeah, and I I remember playing Darwin's journey on TTS, and I was going like, "This is agony." Not because I was losing, and I was but, not as much as I was. Uh, that play. But it was just like you know, this is like working out when you don't want to work out, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then like you know, seeing seeing everyone play. Uh, Darwin, like you know, live, you know, including myself, and yeah. I loved it. You and, loved it, and and there's and I was like, no one is having a bad time playing this, and I'm watching it. I'm going like, oh, maybe I should give it another chance. So I wonder. Uh, don't I'm not trying to negate your 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 play, but like I wonder. It's if a it's, yes and uh, yes, I, you had a bad time, and you were wrong about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even saying you're wrong. I, 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 I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I'm not like I've I'm professed like not the biggest Fister fan. My favorite Fister game is. Uh, broom service and that's that, a good one. It, it's actually, right? It's, it's actually it's, a really it's a delightful game. <laughs> I have thoughts. On it. I'm not going to get into it because we talked literally about everything. But like you know, I have thoughts on it. But it is a it is a very fun game. Yeah, and, and so uh, so I wonder, like you know, if there was if we're just missing the right environment to play that game because I, I I look at it and and I go, huh, I don't know if. I don't know if it's a an alchemy thing where, like, oh, maybe the people I was playing with just weren't in the place to deal with this kind of like uh, convolution, or if it is truly something in the game, or maybe you weren't in the place to deal with it. Like, that's how I feel about Darwin's Journey. Maybe at that moment, I was like, uh, I wasn't really in the mood to play it, and I wasn't honest with myself, but I played it anyway, and I just had the the wrong. There have been times, many times, where I've mm-hmm. not had the right mindset going into a game, and. As a result, I have a bad ex- I have a bad experience with the game. Yeah, it could be situational. My, in my defense, I want to say six hours. Yeah, no, I, you look like six you look like you were having like a deeply, genuinely bad but, time. But, so. but but then, like you know, once again, like you know, I've played Forbidden Stars with Ben for fourteen hours. That's uh, true. Online, and I'm playing it with Candace again so, tomorrow. Uh, by and, the way, and, and that was that was horrendous. <laughs> Horrendously <laughs> fun. Like to the point where like Trey jumped out of the game nine hours in. No, 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 no. He jumped. 
He jumped out like two hours in. Well, I didn't realize that, I didn't realize it was horrendous for you. Oh, I just know it was long. It was very no, no, like the game itself was fine, but like I like Forbidden Stars. Yeah, but, like you know, but if that was my first experience of Forbidden Stars, oh yeah, oh no, oh never again. Yeah, no, understandable. And, and that, that was, was it was Trey's first experience. That Trey's was, first, <laughs> but yeah, that was Trey's first experience. And you know, to be fair, that was like in March 2020 when we all didn't know how to like move around that yeah, board. It, 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 it was a whole thing. So you know, like I, I'm not trying to negate any. I'm just saying, like you know, there's there's oftentimes an alchemy that requires because for I, when I see someone go like I'm ah the game's not for me I go like oh it really might but if someone's really extreme against that I go like oh is there something else about this like you know when, when basically he's gaslighting you Dimitri I, and <laughs> like what you felt was not what you really felt what, what I'm saying is like you probably didn't have the correct perception because I'm the objective one and you, you <laughs> <laughs> so by the way speaking of alchemy which is one second, which is a, a very subversive way of doing a no but oh, <laughs> um, okay. I stand corrected <laughs> Um, we'll just like rotate here a little bit. So, uh, one game that has been on my mind is a game called Forged in Steel, which so you just said alchemy. I was, I was trying to dig at this alchemy forged in steel. So this is so while Candace and I were playing um, Urban Metallurgy Sprawl, from metal- alchemy to metallurgy. Thank you. <laughs> so while Candace and I were playing Urban Sprawl, it made me think of a game I had sort of had my eyes on a few years ago called Forged in Steel, which is another city building game, which again has like a grid and you're putting pieces down and building your city. Um, and it had always intrigued me. It's about building Pueblo, Colorado actually. And I was talking to Candace about it. And then it was, I think something about being in the presence of Candace, although it really is just me. I, I, I'm just trying to blame it on Candace a I, little bit. I just want to say being in the presence of Candace is the perfect encapsulation of what it's like to be in the presence of Candace. Yeah. It is a thing. And it's wonderful. Like she's just like a great person to play games with and she gets you excited about games. And um, so I was like, you know what, Candace? I'm doing it. I'm going to buy it. I bought it off the geek market. It's going to come, I don't know, maybe next week or whatever. But I'm really excited that after years of just like hemming and hawing about this game, I'm going to get to try it out. So I'm really looking forward to getting this onto the table, even though it's a lot of city builders lately. But I'm excited, although not quite as excited as I am about Arkwright, the card game, which just arrived. So I'm excited to play that because I love, love OG Arkwright. Jennifer so. loves it, I think. And, and Oh, the card game? Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm wonderful. Yeah. She has it. She has it. She's definitely yes, she bringing it out during her Essen day, Fantastic. which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, that's great to know. I, that's really that's really good to know that she did. Do we, we played it, you and I. Ben. We played with Elder online, yes, right. but it was you know it's it's not it was it was a challenging playthrough because the game involves like fanning out cards, and it was hard to get like it's one thing to tuck one card under something on TTS or actually it was Tabletopia, yeah. but like to get multiple cards, it was just it. That was one where the interface got in the way of enjoying the game. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention... Oh, well, Hegemony. I've been Hegemony. talking about oh, Hegemony. Right. And uh, I finally got to play a round of it with Matt. Mm-hmm. We played on TTS, just one round. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. It was really Great. it was really interesting. I, I, I'm really intrigued to play more of it and to get more... Do like, uh, you know, to play with more people. But we sort of just like randomly were just texting. I was like, do you want to hop online and mm-hmm. try this out? And he was like, sure. And we did it. So I'm really, I'm so excited for that game. Okay, Dimitri, do you have any, you have something else in your brain, don't you? Uh, I do. Teotihuacan, 
which is one of my favorite games and a game that we reviewed in round two a few episodes, many, 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 a hundred, over a hundred episodes ago. Um, I was reading a book that just came out called The Beginning of Everything, and there was a chapter on what Teotihuacan was actually like and what actually happened in it. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that was reflected in the game is real, but not at all what I thought. Uh, so, 0 AD, there are a bunch of volcanic eruptions in the center of Mexico, and uh, various tribes and people with ethnicities flee the eruptions uphill into the high country and found the city of Tetehuacan. They build two pyramids, and uh, the, the Pyramid of the Sun and the Pyramid of the Moon, uh, and the Temple of the Flying Serpent. Um, and when they build the pyramids, they did dig trenches, um, in the outline of the buildings and fill them with sacri human sacrifices. That's not in the game. <laughs> no. it's, it, it's nice to know. There's the Road of the Dead. There is. But, yeah. The Road of there the is Dead ascension. is something different. Oh. I'm coming to that. Okay. So after the human sacrifices for the building of the pyramids, they complete them. They complete the Temple of the Serpent. They worship there for 200 years. Then suddenly they set fire they destroy the Temple of the Serpent. They abandon the pyramids, and they start building apartment buildings. Uh, and Pave the, paradise. And put up yeah, a, and those are the buildings that you you build off to the side. Oh, in that's okay. Very nice. They ultimately build 2,000 apartment buildings with an average of 50 units each. So for 100,000 people, uh, and they build temples in the neighborhoods. Uh, they live in these apartment buildings. They gather in families, sometimes sometimes in uh, communities of artisans. Okay. There are neighborhoods of people of different ethnicities and, 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 and different regions of Mexico. They paint on those apartment buildings beautiful murals that, unlike in every other Central American civilization, don't show any slaves, don't show any masters. There's nobody of oversized. There's nobody with a whip. Everyone is the same size. And they it, they're psychedelics because there are birds and rainbows bursting from the people's Are foreheads. there dice? Are there dice? <laughs> there are no dice. Okay. <laughs> um, and then that lasts for 300 years until, for some reason, the city is completely abandoned. Uh, and then people claiming to be from Teotihuacan come to other cities in Mexico claiming to be from there and, and, and found dynasties that last for hundreds of years. So, so this is what actually happened in the game that I was playing where I had no idea. And, and to me, it's very interesting. I don't know if I would have been paying attention right. if I hadn't played the game. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. All the time, there's a subject that, because of board gaming, I like have like just as it, it now is like lives a little bit in my brain, and then when I see it somewhere, I have like the slightest frame of reference, and that sort of cracks open the door for me to actually go down a path and learn more about it. Yeah, it's it's a doorway. It's a doorway to get like notice things and 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 like be primed to oh i know what these condos were i built them yeah you, you know i know what the pyramid was i built it there's a huge amount of i think educational value that comes through through osmosis through these games which is probably why there's been such a discussion about you know 
the important historical accuracy because mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of you know you don't want to get the wrong thing coming through you through osmosis. But I think by and large, there are a lot of positive things that that come through, and that's that's a whole subject for a different episode. A very interesting subject. Uh, Paul, anything on your game brain? Uh, not really. I'm thinking a lot about Avalon. You know, basically. Uh, when it, when is it time for the meta to change? When you know, and uh, like David Gilson, friend of the podcast, uh, sent me an article about uh, when you play a game, a social deduction, particularly uh, think of like Princess Bride, for example. Like you know, you know, you put the poison in front of you or in front of me. You know, like the, at that one. Anyway. Iocane. Iocane. That's right. And so there are like there are like four levels, four plus levels. Like you know. The first level of gameplay is like, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, the second level is like, this is what this person is going to do. And then it comes the third level is like, this is what I think the other person is going to do. And the fourth level is like, this is what I think that person thinks I'm going to do. Right. And uh, the real takeaway from that article was that uh, to be winning, you have to be one and only one level above the person that you are playing with because if you uh go too far up that person is just going to play their one level and you're not interpreting them correctly mm-hmm. and you will wind up probably hurting yourself by overthinking, overthinking. exactly yeah. that's a very welcome to my world point. uh and so uh there's this interesting thing where like it's happening in our avalon group where i feel like there are people who really can control the narrative and that causes a certain style of play and I think there are other people who are coming into the game who are kind of getting, almost getting to that next level. And I feel like they're being stymied a little bit just by the experience of the people who are controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if like we should, those of us who control that narrative a little bit stronger, should ease off a little bit just to have those other people voices developed so that we could have a richer play, you know. Otherwise. I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I feel like I'm one of those newer voices mm-hmm. to the Avalon meta. And I just, my favorite thing is to just reject it. I, re- I to reject it because I feel like it's just, there's, there is something kind of, um, I don't, it's not condescending, whatever, but to come into a game no, group and, and, and they're like, this is how you play it. This is what you should have done. This is what you should have said. This is how you should have looked at it. This is how, what you should have done. This is how you should have pointed. This is how you should have looked. And this is what you should have said. And I'm like, I'm going to play the game the way I want to play well, it. And to, to, to that point, I feel like that's where we are too many steps ahead. Yeah. And, and so, like, so what I'm saying is like, if we let people get to that next level, then we will, those of us will be more in alignment in, in but like I, I like not being in alignment, sure, sure. and sometimes it works against me. But it's more like, like you, because you guys have your own thing. I like to throw a spanner into the works, and, right? And because it happens all the time where people say, "Well, if you're gonna, the, the optimal move is X, Y, and Z," and you know, sometimes you do something else, and like, let's see if I can mess up your meta and make you like rethink. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my my badge of honor was that there was one Avalon game where I did something I don't even remember, sure. but it was like that's the first time that someone has won when they didn't put put themselves on a team the first time i'm like that's crazy that's crazy and i was like i felt just so honored that i had like been the first time of doing something with your with a crazy meta you know in in the same breath you'll say 
I don't know why people don't trust me. People don't trust me. For, I don't understand. This is, I told no, people don't trust me. I, and so you know, so it, it is this aspect. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, this was all my brain, right? You know, uh, and I'm just thinking like you know whether this is a, a good thing or not. Like I'm, I'm actually a person who doesn't really control the narrative a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who kind well, of. Well, now that Dimitri is learning to assert himself, you better watch out. No, no, I, I like I, I'm, I'm much more of a counterpuncher. I, I let people uh, assert their narrative, and then I like you know go like, oh, that doesn't make sense or. or I don't think, though, ultimately, that you should ever sort of like dull your game or I'm, I'm, you're not maybe not saying dull your game, but, you know, you're saying, oh, I want to let other voices cultivate themselves. It's like those voices will like if people are interested in the game. They will cultivate. Right. Because maybe. They, like the game is like, you know, I I don't love Avalon, but I found myself what? recently. I found myself recently excited to come like to game that to play it because it's like a. <laughs> Because it's a bond, it's a group bonding yeah, exactly. thing, and it's a it's a big, big group bonding thing. And I've actually I'm finding that the participation in it is like very fun for me, even mm-hmm. if the game itself is like mm-hmm. a little meh. In terms of gameplay in Avalon, it's always safer not to speak. Always, yeah. And and and, and that's a really t- powerful tide to swim against. Uh, and if other people are pulling you in the same direction. Or, or 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 swamping you under, uh, for one person to assert themselves, that like two strikes against you, or mm-hmm. or, or or two forces that you have to overcome. Yeah, and my, I mean my one. my view is I always am just like, I'm like, it's not mm-hmm. like a who cares. It's kind of like, well, let me just try. It. Let me just mm-hmm. see what happens when I just act like this or do no. this. And it's like for me, I think the the act of just sort of engaging with you guys in it. Is turned out to be the thing that has been really fun for me. Not so much about whether I'm going to win or lose. Oh, and this is true. Like you know, I always say that if you are, you know, not to talk about Avalon again, uh, but like you know, like our group. This is the game of our group. Like you know, we play all these other games and we talk about all these games that are deep strategy, like uh, mid mid to high uh, complexity. Uh, but in the end, the soul of our group is actually. Avalon, like you should, you know, the game that you want to play with us to be our friends, to be in our group, really in our group is, is going to be Avalon. That's, that's just the it's game. The, and that's, that's what I'm saying. It's that it's, I, I the ritual of it mm-hmm. is actually more fun for me than the actual game. 100%. 100%. Because uh, obviously, Matt, Secret Hitler is the better social deduction uh, game. Obviously, uh, obviously. Matt uh, points out the ritual aspects of it. There's, there's certain things that we do, and if we don't do them in the right order, like if we pass the first uh, 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 Ugh, team, yes. uh, then, then everything breaks down. It, it, it's just not how you play. I know, and that's to me the most hilarious thing when everyone gets really fussy about that stuff. And I just, you know. Yeah. Anyway, the, anyway panel, the, the discussion about Avalon goes on and on, continues to go on, yeah. on with this podcast. But what needs to happen next is not more discussion about Avalon, but we need to start talking about our review game, what, City Hall. What, 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 I thought this is it? City Hall. Oh, City Hall. Oh, that's right. See, I, I played the shuffle sound. That's right. Um, so let's talk about City Hall. This game came out in 2014. Uh, it was published by Tasty Minstrel Games. Tasty Minstrel is sort of, uh, I don't know if they're like fully closed, but they've just focused their business on, for all intents and purposes, they're not really doing board games anymore. Okay. okay. Uh, the designer is Michael R. Keller. The artist by Ariel Sioen. I, I, this is a hard one to pronounce. It's a lot of vowels. S-E-O-A-N-E. Sioen. Well, look at me. I don't know. Uh, two to four players. And the weight on 
Board Game Geek, if you care about the weight uh, on Board Game Geek, is 2.78. Um, so let me tell you all about. So is the, that accurate for you? 2.78. Yeah, you know what? I don't like. I think that the the. I, I never really pay attention to it. Okay. I don't, I don't because I, I don't know if people are grading beca- weight based on the weight of the decisions or the weight of the rule set. And so I just, but I know some people, it, it matters to some people. So that's why I wanted to say it. Uh, uh, the publisher is out of the business, but the game is available. The game is available, which is why we actually chose to review it because, and we'll say what it is in a moment. Um, I had pulled this game out actually on the, on the, grapefruit cake night i said you know what guys i have this game that i bought years ago i played it once and i had a really fun time i'm really interested to know if this game holds up and you know i just haven't been able to get to the table do you mind if we play it and we played it and it became our review game so the game is essentially um players are our staffers in city hall in new york city and we're all working in, in City Hall, and we are ostensibly all running for mayor. Ultimately, the end of the game happens. At the end of the game, there's a quote-unquote election, and whoever has the most votes becomes the mayor and wins the whole thing. And um, we're going from, from uh, turn to turn. We are, uh, we are sort of doing worker placement, but it's not worker placement. We're doing these auctions. It's a, it's a whole thing, but we're basically going to different offices in City Hall. If we were to do, last time we did a review, we talked about Iki and going into a, we, I tried to place it that we walked up and down a farmer's market. And here, I will also try to do a real world example to illustrate what the game is. Uh, we're literally walking up and down the halls <laughs> You're also in a farmer's City market. Hall, you are. Knocking on doors. Inviting yes. an official to come out and bribing them. Yeah, you're basically saying, "Oh, you know what I need to do? Uh, I need to like speak to the the campaign, my campaign manager." And you knock on the door, and I knock on the door to be like, "Oh, I need to talk to you. We need to set a meeting." And then you come up and say, "Hey, Ben, I'm so sorry. Do you mind if I speak with the campaign manager first? And I'm like, "Sure." And now I have done Dimitri a favor because I've allowed him to speak to the campaign manager. And now, as a result of me doing him a favor, I have a little bit of influence over him. That's right. And the game is essentially about that act of going to different offices in City Hall, doing things, and sort of trading influence with everyone else, um, all in pursuit of winning this imaginary election. And by the way, if this sounds dull to you, uh, in actual gameplay, what it means is that you can't do a single thing with, without having other people crowd you. That is exactly uh, without correct. Interacting with your fellow players uh, w- without elbowing them and tangling with them and tangoing with them for every single thing. Every single thing. And that's good. Yes. For uh, us. If we're going to mo- shift the metaphor over um, to now gameplay terms, imagine you're playing Agri- Agricola. And for every place that you put your worker, before you actually take that wood or do your family growth, we have an auction around the table that says, I actually will pay you a certain amount of influence to do that action. I'll pay you that much. I'll pay you that much. And every single action that gets taken in this game, there is an auction where people are going to bid this currency of influence to take and, and basically goes once around the table and people can are going to, you know, it's an auction for, I will pay this much influence to do this action. And when it comes back to you as the original person who took the action, you can either accept the influence from the highest bidder or you can say, I will match that that bid and pay that to like the influence bank. And that is essentially the crux. That's like, I think, the main core of the game. Would you say that's true, Paul? Sure. Uh, you, you've seen this in, if you play Santiago or the Estates, this is a very common thing where 
uh, a person wants to do something, uh, you actually, the way I would describe it is like, you don't pick an action. You pick the action that's going to be bid upon. Yes. And at the, and you just have turn order as to whether you uh, have the best option to outbid it or not. And sometimes you pick an action because that's the action you want to take. And sometimes you pick an action because that's the action you know somebody else really wants to take and will pay you highly for it, which means all the four levels that you just talked about with regards to Avalon that David Gillison uh, gave you the article about, Paul, are in play Yes, uh, in, in a very nice uh, way. Uh, like Santiago, like estates, this is a game about real estate. It is about real estate. And when you look at this game, you think, oh, it's another city builder. But actually, as we were just discussing, this is really more, It's there's sort of city building in it, but it's really about city politics, which is what makes it very unique in my book. So let's... It's more focused. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about the costs of uh, and the materials. Uh, it, it really is a game about running a city. And for me, it feels like a railroad game. Railroad games are about running railroads. Mm-hmm. They're not really about coal or steel. Yes, or, or hiring or, an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and this is kind of a railroad, a really focused uh, game about building a city that focuses on the most interesting aspect of it, which is the politics. Exactly. So what we're going to do is first let's talk about presentation, then we'll go into gameplay, and then we'll talk about some other things like interaction and variability and theme. So the presentation, before we get into all this stuff, um, one of the things that I personally really enjoy about the presentation is that there's two currencies, money and influence, and they um, those are both sort of like hidden information, and they are both presented as cards. And I think that is a very, very fun way to present um, currency. It's sort of like midway between chips, midway be- uh, chips and paper money. Um, what did you guys think about that that way of disguising having hidden money? Like for me, it's one of those things that is. Like I have issue with the the the, the presentation is great, but the uh, but the idea is like you get to see everyone's money and influence when they take it. It's a, it's memory of whether you can track it or not. Mm-hmm. So the the game kind of relies on the fact that you won't be able to track everyone because it's just too much memory space. Right. And so like you know so I mean like for that type of game like I'm I'm a person who doesn't like that i like you know like uh i guess Keyflower would be an example of that mm-hmm. where you actually see everyone's uh colored meeple that they uh, that you take and it's up to you to whether you can remember it or not like you know mm-hmm. uh but aside from that like you know it, it uh i think it's it works great you yeah know? It, if you're going to play that game yeah i mean what do you and what do you think about the hidden money in this game dimitri I, i'm not sure uh, I, I think I would prefer to know what, uh, how much influence and money everyone has, but I can see how certain of elements of the auction, like like the first bid, mm-hmm. uh, the person who bids first should be able to set a higher price, or the game works better if the person who bids first does not know precisely what everybody else has, mm-hmm. because then it's not just an arithmetic question uh, of I can outbid everybody, you know, or I don't have to bid this high. Um, if that person has perfect knowledge, then the person who 
put up the office for auction that it has a ceiling, has a mm-hmm. hard ceiling on how much money they can make. Right. So it hurts the catch-up mechanism. It, perfect information, in the, if you can follow me, and I, I wish mm-hmm. I could have said it more elegantly, uh, it, it hurts the mechanism of, of people who are maybe behind, who are putting things up for auctions that other people want to take as a way to gather more uh, influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anything that hurts a catch-up mechanism in a game as competitive as this one, for me, hurts the mechanism overall. So I don't like it, but I see the need for it. Yeah, I like the hidden money. I, I like both how it like looks and feels, but I also I like it as a... I, I like it here in this game because I think that... Um, I know there's an argument about hidden money in general that's kind of like... It, uh, I guess, is it that it unfairly benefits someone who has like better memory, right? The, the theme of, in our group is basically if you've seen it, like, uh, you know, should it be hidden, right? And because ultimately, like, if that's the case, I, if I just had a piece of paper, I could just tally that, and that somehow feels against the spirit of, of yeah. And I, I think that, like, I actually think that some of the fun of this game mm-hmm. is kind of this influence whirring back and forth between the group because it's almost a closed economy. Mm-hmm. It's all, usually this stuff is going back and forth, ping-ponging around, um, and except for those moments where someone decides to pay their the influence bank. to the bank, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I actually think that, that part of the fun is trying to sort of keep tabs of like, I think they have this much. Mm-hmm. I actually think if you're tr- if you are if you're sitting there and like really trying to card count and really like you have this much and you have this much and you have this much, you may actually be kind of missing a little bit of the point of the game, right? Which is like, like it's more about like estimating what people have and what's worth what to people. So I think that like for a game that is doing hidden money and influence, I actually think this is a really good way of doing it. It's very easy. It just holds in your hand. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the money and the influence have the same card back mean that like if someone has a lot of money, you don't know if they have a lot of money or if they have a lot of influence or half and half or whatever. And I, I definitely was able to use that a few times where, where I think people thought I had a lot more influence than I did have because I had money. Sure. And then people were, that impacted the auctions later sure, on sure, what sure. they thought they could get out of me, which I think is really fun. On the other end of the spectrum, what do you guys think? Uh, I guess I already tipped it a little bit. Yeah. But like, what do you guys <laughs> think about the, the visual aesthetic of this game and the board and, and all that? You go first, Dimitri. Uh, that's actually one of the things I don't like about the game, uh, because it's just a bunch of rectangles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the map of Manhattan is represented rectangularly. Uh, yes, it's a grid. Yeah. Yes, but even the parks are rectangles. Uh, all the buildings, uh, whether towers or factories uh, or apartment blocks, uh, are represented as rectangles that are pieces of paper that go on top of the rectangles in the yeah. grid. You have rectangles in your hand. After a while, it looks a little samey. Yeah. It's... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I love New York, and for me, really? I don't think of... I <laughs> do. <laughs> you don't know me that well. Yes, uh, and? Yes, and. Can't stop, and, won't and stop. For, for me, it just doesn't look like New York. Yeah. What, what do you think, Paul? Uh, it's the same. Like, you know, it's it's very uh, utilitarian. Yeah. You know? like, and it, it feels like a little bit like an Excel spreadsheet with a watermark in the back. I'm just going to say it. It's ugly. This is an ugly, ugly game. I mean, it's, this is not one of those games where it's like, oh, it's drab. It's not that it's drab. It's just like, 
it's just like disgusting. It's like this green, like this green and copper. And it's just, I think it's maybe playing with the colors of money or something like that. But you look at it Sounds and it's more like Stockholm. <laughs> well, I, I, I have never been to Stockholm, so I can't, I will, I will Paul love Stockholm. Oh, okay. The syndrome or the city. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> so the point is this, it is really, I, I think it's an unfortunate like failure of, of design. graphic of design and the fonts are like it's like that remember on like the like the apple macintoshes from like you know 1995 the chicago font mm-hmm. sure and you're like whoever uses the chicago font well we found it chicago font is being actively used well, here. city hall <laughs> sponsored by chicago font <laughs> but it's so ugly and actually the reason why i'm kind of harping on it is because and this can lead us into the gameplay is that i actually think it's a really fascinating and interesting game and it really did not it did not make an when it came out in 2014-15 it did not make a splash and i can't help but think that one of the reasons why it did not make a splash and i, I probably will circle back to other reasons but one of the reasons why it's got to be because it's it's ugly people look at it they it's like it could not look more unappealing on a table right that's a, that's a really strong opinion but it's true and yeah. i think it's I, I think it's important to just like let people know that like we are aware of this sure, right sure. because everything yeah, i'm i'm gonna have a lot of like very positive things to say mm-hmm. about this game but it's like i'm aware that this thing does not look good the caveat comes first uh, and actually again made me question myself because the two city building games that i played prior to it embarcadero and and magnet the first city I did not like because they had so much colorful plastic mm. and, 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 and so much visual appeal that I felt was not supported by uh, the game mechanisms uh, and actually was a little bit of false advertising. And, and uh, City Hall taught me a lesson. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> this is what you wanted. You wanted a, a straightforward design. Here it is. And the, the game's like, problem? You got no. problem? Let me- <laughs> no, it's like it's like uh, on Thirty Rock when um, uh, Jenna was was there was one episode where she was telling everyone she was sixty, so that way sure. people would say, "Oh my God, you look amazing for 60. <laughs> so it's like here, if you have a like a <laughs> make yourself like a really drab thing or whatever. Not to say that if you're sixty, you're drab, but like this presentation that is gonna like maybe make make. People say like, "Oh, wait a second, that's pretty good." Having I, said that, it's really cheap. You can buy it for like what, twelve bucks? You can buy, it, bucks? yeah. It, um, it, on Amazon, I saw it for about thirty-five dollars or something like that. But so this game lived in bargain bins for years. You would see it for fifteen dollars on Cool Stuff, fifteen dollars miniature market. You would see it everywhere for like markdown for fifteen dollars, and it basically it was just like this sad game that was always being put up there with every sale, and so. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to Do why I wanted you. to bring it out. And then when I saw like the reaction that we all had to it, it's like we should really talk about this game because there's really interesting stuff happening with it. Yeah. So here we are. Let's talk about yeah, and here we are, guys. <laughs> so let's talk about let's get into the gameplay. So we talked about these auctions that are sort of like the the, the core of it, which is that when you when you want to take an action, when you want to do something, it's really not guaranteed that you ever get to do it. You have to go through an auction process first. How did you guys like this mechanic, Paul? Well, I it, it reminds me of the Estates, and the Estates is one of my favorite games. Uh, I think it's like I'm a person who really enjoys a uh, what's the word I want to use? I want to say confrontational, but like a interactive uh, game. So every everyone's turn, 
there is forced interaction, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like they have to make a move and everyone has to bid on it. So that aspect, I, I, I love, you know, it's the, there's no, it's just very clear about that. Like, you know, I can imagine someone hearing that, that you have to do an auction with every single mm-hmm. action. And that sounds horrific. Horrific. Do you think that's a fair assessment for, do you think those people are jumping I, to conclusions? I think the or? auctions are terrific. Everybody bids once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the person who nominated has a chance to double or not double, but uh, even or or match match yes. the top bid. That's actually important. It's that not everyone has to exceed. You just have to match. And then if you do match, so so the auctions are very compact uh, and they're exciting. Uh, and the other thing is, Paul says that it makes the game very interactive. There's also the effect that it has makes the game. There's no downtime. Mm-hmm. You're involved in every moment. There's no moment where uh, you get to just play by yourself, but there's also no moment where you don't get to play. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. You can bid on anything. You, you're interested in, in what... I'm interested in what Ben will, will pick to bid on. I hope it's not what I'm planning to, yeah. <laughs> to bid, yes. right? So you're involved in the other players' decisions, they impact you. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that, um, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, uh, but uh, auctions are zero-sum, right? You you get it or you don't. But there are many aspects of the game uh, where you place the buildings and the parks on the board where the interaction among the players can actually improve Mm -hmm. everybody's position. Sometimes it's detrimental, sometimes it improves you. So again, you're interested in what the other players will do because it can impact your score in. That's true. Many ways. Yeah, and we and we'll get to that sort of city building aspect of the game. It's anti uh, solitaire. Right? It is. It is incredibly anti solitaire. That said, you know, I will say that if you don't like bidding and that stresses you out, you will not enjoy this game. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I actually, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would have liked to, we, I would have liked to have played it with someone who does not like auctions. We never got a chance to mm-hmm. play it with someone who doesn't like auctions. I wonder if it could survive that. It's hard to know. Uh, like, ben, you did play it with someone who doesn't like auctions. Is that you? I do not like auctions. There, look at that. Uh, and, and that, that game has auctions that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, it has the decisions that you're making about how much to bid aren't about the distant future, usually. Sometimes they are, but they're easy to see it on the board in front of you. It's not like the opening auction in Age of Steam, yes. where you have no idea how to, or I don't have any idea. Tom certainly does. Paul often does. Paul may have a better idea than Tom, except he's not crawling about it all, mm. you know, loudly. <laughs> uh, but um, in Age of Steam, the first auction that happens, I usually don't have enough information unless yes. I studied the board and thought about how to value locomotive versus first build versus first move. Here, the auctions are smaller. They're, they're, they're more immediate. Mm-hmm. There's not one auction per round. It's one auction per turn. And you can see the effects. And if you make a mistake, you can see the effects and you can learn from it. That's such a true point. I, I didn't think about that, but that's so true. And what's interesting is that um, we talked about this 
influence economy being relatively closed, but it, it actually grows over the course of the game because every round everyone picks up one influence. And then there's also like any spots that aren't taken that they we put influence on them to sort of incentivize them. So, you know, even though you may only get one influence every round, the table as a whole has now gotten, depending on your player count, two, three, four amount. I've actually never played this at two and there's different rules for two. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak to the two player experience. So I apologize. But I don't. I can't imagine this game being as good at two as it is at three. I played at three. I played at four, and both really great player yeah. counts. But um, uh, but it, the auctions build, and as you said, you actually do learn. I never thought about that, but you actually kind of do start to learn and you start to value. But you have to always the value. You, you learn and you know how to value things, but you always have to change that because the the influence economy is growing. So you still have to scale it, which I think is really cool. And and they are. They're short auctions, and to your point, Paul, you are so involved. You are not. You're not like, oh, what do they want to do? Like, you really have to be thinking about what everyone's game is. Is and you can. You have to study the board state. It'd be like they probably, based on what they have out there, they're going to need to reserve a lot of land, or they're going to have to do this or that. And and you have to really be in everyone's heads. And that is, it's actually makes it like you said. Like every every auction is really exciting. I think so. Uh, I, it's also one of the things that I found really interesting, though, to counter what I just said, is that if you don't get the auction that you want, there are a bunch of others that are going to come up real quick. Yes. So, like, no, like, where, say, Age of Steam, like, you could really hurt yourself by picking a strategy and not being able to execute. Mm-hmm. Here, there are no, no one strategy is going to move you so far ahead. Uh, and there are multiple strategies that can be applied at any given time. Mm-hmm. Like you, know, you, you may need you know to build something right now, but if you don't get that, you can just get money, and and that you can build it next round, and and that would be that'll be fine. Like you know, so right. that it's there, it's not high stakes. But one one of the interesting tensions of the game is knowing, and you mentioned this, Dimitri. I think it's knowing when you get to choose a spot. It's knowing, am I taking this spot because I want to just collect a lot of influence because I know everyone's going to want to bid high for this? Is this going to be, is this my moment to collect influence or is this my moment to, to like, the to just like pay my influence? And that's a hard, it's sometimes it's an easy choice, but sometimes it's hard because some spots are extremely coveted. And there were definitely times where I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to refill my influence right now because there's going to be a big auction. But the thing is, if I know I'm going to be taking that influence, that means that I'm not going to be doing that action. And usually the reason why there's a big auction is because it's an important action to take. So you're actually usually sacrificing something really big. And that tension between when to gather and when to spend is a really, really fascinating one. And like you said, we've seen it in like the estates mm-hmm. or even Isle of Sky. But um, I feel like it works really well here. And to, to augment on that, uh, the thing that is actually, I don't want to say unique to this game, but like it's very interesting is that in the beginning, uh, that auction win or lose, it doesn't matter. But as it gets as it approaches the end of the game, it becomes also much more important. Mm-hmm. Whereas like other games, I find that like oh, the board is set, and now uh, I don't really need to win this if I don't need you know I could do something else. Mm-hmm. But like at the very end, like you know, it moves in such a way that eventually you're going to have these huge. I'm going to pay 14 influence for yeah. this one act and. and and that growth is a very interesting thing that I've, I don't want to say unique, but like I found it particular to this game where it can start off at like, oh, here's two, 
here's one mm-hmm. before I, and, but then all of a sudden like oh i really need this now uh 12 it's like you're down on your knees yeah. at like someone's office being like please let me do this thing right. and it does so largely organically exactly uh, it does so because the city's getting bigger the stakes are getting bigger that is so there's true more the, money we're getting closer to the election yeah so thematically there's more population there are more people moving in so thematically, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the things that what uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is that in addition to the board and in, in addition to the map, there are things you do to improve your own political standing, your mm-hmm. own visibility yeah. in the community, uh, and also you're drawing in population mm-hmm. who are actually going to vote for you. Right. Uh, so there are actions that you bid on that that have to do with buildings but there are other actions that have to do with yourself mm-hmm. and how much money you have and how much people you're bringing into the city um and all of those are both thematic and make this more interesting rather than just putting buildings uh on a map yeah, and I think one thing that's uh, I was reading, and actually, uh, someone, I, was, I of course was just reading about it on BGG last night in anticipation of this review, and someone wrote a really interesting article or review, and I apologize, I did not write down your name, but um, but the the writer made an interesting point, which is that this game where there's actually really only one central strategy, which is like you have to get your approval rating up in the city, and you have to bring in population to the city because at the end of the game you basically multiply your approval rating by the amount of population you brought into the city and that's going to be like the lion's share of your points and so we're all trying to do the same thing but the question is how do we get to do it right like there's sort of like a cycle this is what the the article uh, stated and i agree with it which is that the cycle of the game is that you you uh, reserve a lot of land and then you have to uh, you you have to get a, per- a permit to build like a house or a tower or a, or a factory. You put that on the board, and then um, that will sort of there's like a star ranking thing, and the number of stars you have determines how much population you can bring into the city. So that brings in population, and then the more population you have, you then tax them, and then based on your buildings and the people you brought in, you get money, and you use that money at the campaign manager to increase your approval rating. And so you're sort of in this loop, and but you can never just do the loop. It's like a, you can't just do a lap like that because we're all trying to do the lap. So we're all kind of like trying to piece together our loop. And it's really cool. These auctions, when you're doing these auctions, you're thinking about where is so-and-so in this loop? Like where is Paul in this loop? And how can I make sure I get to do my part of the loop next? Because I need to do my part of the loop. For me, it feels a little bit like auto racing. Not that I've ever auto raced. I've just watched the movies. But it's like you're looking for a gap. Yes. You're looking for a gap. Somewhere a couple of car lanes ahead that you can move into. Yeah, that's exactly in, it. In this particular moment. And the gaps keep shifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's never uh, the same decision. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the um, uh, uh, achievements that you get at the end of the game. You know what? Do you mind if I say if make a few more, uh, one more th- uh, thing? But I'm going to write down my notes so we don't forget about the achievements, okay? Yes. But... Something I wanted to bring up about this whole influence auction thing is that um, the idea that you could wind up not doing any actions um, like for a round, round mm-hmm. you know. And when this game came out, one of the more pro- most prominent reviewers 
he, if I remember correctly, I haven't watched the review in a long time, but I remember he was like, you know what? Like you could go, you could spend the entire, you could spend an entire round and not do a single action. And that was like a feel bad moment. Essentially. That's essentially what he said. And I, I kind of would not be surprised if that, it seemed like he was not so hot in the game. If I remember correctly, I would not be surprised if that is one of the reasons why this wound up in the bargain bin. And I wanted to know before we get talk about those achievements, like what do you think about the idea that you could wind up not taking an action? Um, the, I mean, that's not entirely true. Like basically your turn in throughout the whole turn, the whole round may be collect influence that that's, that that's the worst it will be. Mm-hmm. You'll always be able to do like just the way the it, it all works out. You'll either be do be able to do one thing, or you'll collect influence. Now, if you had enough influence, you could do multiple things. Uh, where, but you know, but you you will always be able to do either collect influence or one thing. So, to phrase it that way, I think is like disingenuous or at least wrong. Uh, that said, uh, just doing one thing where everyone else is doing two or three is not great that's gonna be harsh but i think that that may speak to one of the things with the game that might that could be a barrier to entry which is that people may see this and see a worker placement game and it's not they they may see a worker placement game and they may see a city a city builder game it's not not a worker placement game and and i have a major like argument for why it's not And, and and but I can, do I can you want to do you want to do you want to talk about that? Real it's quickly? not a worker placement game because uh, your workers function just simply as markers. Uh, here's my piece of land. I put my my uh, meeple on it. Here's my building. I put my meeple on it. Here's the uh, uh, action I'm putting up for a- auction. I put my meeple on it. Great, but they're just markers. They're not doing any work. They're number how many of them you have at any given time in no way affects your your decision tree. It's an action selection game. That's all it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I and, think... And, I, and to call it a worker placement game uh, creates false expectations, in, in my opinion. It's not a, a, it, it, it's not a flaw nope. that it isn't a worker placement game. I'm not the biggest fan of worker placement. But it is a flaw if you're calling something worker placement that isn't because it creates expectations that the game will not deliver on. It's not designed to. And I think it's I think I think maybe one of the struggles that the game has had is that people may think I go I put my meeple here and I get to reserve some land. I put my meeple here. I get to put a house on that land. And the answer is no. You actually are not guaranteed any of those things because it's not worker worker placement. And people think it's city building. So that, you know when people think of city building, it's like oh I can build my house and I can put this here and then that here. I can create synergies. And this game you can put buildings out and you can create synergies, but that is not what this game is about. And I think that um, I think if you come into this game. And you're thinking like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the action that I've selected. You are gonna come out of it saying, wow, I went a whole round without doing anything. And but if you, if you go into it saying, oh, everyone wants this action, I have no influence. I'm coming here and I'm gonna collect a whole bunch of influence, and then that feels very productive. And it's a problem with the design of the game, with the visual design of the game, because everything is a bluish-greenish rectangle, right? And then suddenly you have these colorful wooden 
pieces yeah. um, that are shaped like people and they draw your eye to them and you think, oh, they're really important and I want to count how many I have. None of that matters. Right. Uh, so it's a miscalculation. It's, it's another flaw in the game. It's almost like in Age of Steam or on 18XX, somebody designed a really colorful train mm-hmm. with, with a bunch of, with a locomotive and a bunch of cars. It's, it has nothing. It's a distraction. Right. It doesn't add anything to the it's game. Almost, it's, it's almost like this game may have been better served where instead of putting a meeple on a spot that they were just like cards and you said that you took the card, you put it on a little thing and said, this is now up for auction, right? Um, what did you want to say about achievements? So now that I've... Yeah, so the end game achievements are interesting and problematic at the same time. They're very hard to value. Uh, ultimately, you can win the game without... Uh, doing any of them uh, without having the most money or having the most factories or having the most towers. Because each of these gives you, each of these sort of categories gives you 10 votes. Gives you 10 points. And um, I actually, the, the two moves I made, and there were only two moves I made in my place of this game uh, that I'm proud of is when I managed to do something to obtain or guarantee for myself one of those achievements and, and go from a totally miserable score to at least a somewhat respectable one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, if two people go for these achievements and they tie, that achievement is not scored at, at all. all. And because most of them are so close. I mean, you win towers by one tower if you do win them at all. And sometimes people just naturally tie unless they specifically are going for that achievement. It's really easy to tie in how many uh, parcels of land you have uh, or, 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 or how many uh, uh, apartment buildings you have or how many parks you have. They feel both... Uh, like something that can excite you in terms of improve your score. So they're legitimate things in the play, but I feel like they're not fully fleshed out. They're not. They're not. They're a little fully baked. They're little afterthoughty. Of, uh, they feel like an afterthought a little that's bit. That's exactly what I was thinking. But there, it's important to have them there because. Um, you know, because this central thing of like, uh, your, your approval and the population you bring in, you know, if you do not, if you mess up those auctions to take those actions, you might be kind of like taken out of the game a little bit. And those at least provide a sense of like, okay, maybe this is a way for me to still be competitive at the end. And I actually, in our games, they were very close I lost to Trey on a tiebreaker. We had we scored we had the same score. I lost on a tiebreaker on on the birthday on the grapefruit night, and that's crazy. Like that, like after after all that, like we had the exact same score. And then the second time, we figured out what that I was. I beat you by one point, right, Paul? Yes. Let me just reemphasize. I beat you by one point. Remember. One point. One, oh. point. Uh, one point. One point. Uh, one. Yes, and <laughs> can't no, stop. But was, stop. No, but and, and that was it. Came down to the achievements, yeah, and no, that it, was the that it, was the thing. No, it's it's. I think the game is actually quite uh, balanced for what it is. I think the achievements, though, sometimes like you know, not n- not finessed, it are absolutely uh, essential. And like as you say, like you know, you I don't. 
you don't require to have a great multiplying uh, popularity plus population if you can get ten points. And I mm-hmm. like you know like both games that I played. One I did okay at the other one I did almost winning at. Yeah. Uh, I, I I tend to go for a fairly high like you know uh, achievement thing, and you know I, I get between two and three, and I'm very close. Mm-hmm. So like so I, I think it's right. I think I think in the end you have to choose uh, if the, if that's something you're going to go for or not. I think uh, and sometimes that requires a little earlier decision than most people like, for example. I mean, it's, hard, it's hard to go. There's so much going on and you can't really be guaranteed mm-hmm. of anything. It's really hard to focus on those achievements until you realize, oh, we're coming down the pike. I really need to like pay attention Once to this. Once people are solidified as far as what they're doing, then you can start making your moves. But mm-hmm. but like in the first half of the game, everyone's in such flux. But I think also you said this game is very balanced and our games have been extraordinarily close. I think though that it's it's really important to note that it's balanced because we also balanced it ourselves. This is the sort of game where the game is, the game is, it leaves it up to the players to keep it balanced. You know, we talk a lot about like sure. uh, the price enforcement mm-hmm. or whatever with these, these auctions. But if people are not paying attention, someone could wind up going to like the health commissioner spot, which allows you to score for points. Someone could like, just like flog a spot. And if people are not being careful about how they do their auctions or how much they let people do things, um, or if they make let them someone get too much influence, then the the game could get out of whack. But I think that actually is again, I think that's actually a feature because it means that when you're auctioning, on top of everything else, you have to think about like, I don't need this spot, but we can't let Dimitri take it like well, for the third time well, in this a row. Is, this is what I feel like with all kind of bidding action selection games, is that. Uh, and I don't, I'm going to broadly say this, like, you know, they tend to not have rails on them. Like, you know, you, you yeah. can golf all throughout. Uh, and the the issue with that is that if someone is more skilled or, or worse yet, if someone is less skilled than they're, they're playing with the other people they're playing with, that can really skew the game in a way that is chaotic. Like, it really benefits from people being of similar skill sets. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whether like if you're a bad bidder, you know, generally, you are going to benefit w- one person more than others because of turn order. Because it'll probably go the the bad. You know, you will probably help the person who is going before you. Mm-hmm. It just if you're a bad bidder, and that person is going to have an advantage. You mm-hmm. know, over the game uh, for you being bad, and you know, and and that's less good for everyone. And so, in a way, like this game, I don't want to say it's a it's a requirement, but like being of similar skill level is is preferable mm-hmm. than someone going like I don't know how to bid, or, or I have a different meta in bidding, and everyone has the same meta. Like you know, that's you know, that's going to like like I, I'm a person who really requires other people to price enforce, mm-hmm. and if they don't price enforce, I will actively not price enforce and just have people punished for that. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, that's my way of trying to equalize the what you call it the uh the skill level of bidding and right. you do that quite a bit i do uh, in our place and and more than the second game uh, the first game we played with trey and trey is a a, a very skilled player mm-hmm. and bidding is a mechanism that he's thought about a lot uh and in the second game that we played without trey with candace and myself and ben you kept us in line 
you brought that up uh, yeah. a few times. Yeah. Like we have to bid and for and I successfully and lost again. But but that was <laughs> but what was interesting too is like part of the fun of the game I found, and this may be not the game. This may just be like the nature of an auction is. You know who who whose turn is it to do the enforcement, right? And there are sometimes people be like, "Well, Ben, you're not going to enforce, you're not going to enforce," and I'd be like, "No, I'm not going to enforce." And I'd be like haughty as if like that's not my responsibility. But like I have no influence in my hand. I'm like bluffing because sure, sure. I have no influence and I can't let people know I have no influence. No. You know, for me that's actually part of good gameplay. Mm-hmm. For me, when that happens, when that kind of table talk happens and people debate about whose turn it is to enforce, uh, to price enforce. That's good because yes. thematically, I agree. it totally happens in real life. It if, totally happens in City Hall. And if the game simulates that, that's a good game. I want to say that, uh, Paul, I completely agree with you that the game works best uh, when people are similarly experienced in bidding. However, I don't think that you have to be... A, everybody has to be exceptionally highly experienced to enjoy the game. Sure. This is a game that can actually teach people mm-hmm. how to bid effectively yeah. uh, for Age of Steam. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to make it sound like a gateway game because I, I think it's a very good game in its own right. I, I, if you have a group that's equally not so experienced in bidding but are interested in it, the, 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 this is a terrific game to go with. Yeah, I I agree completely, and I I do think that ultimately, like the MacGuffin here is everything on the board, right? Like the MacGuffin is that like oh we're gonna be building out this city because we didn't even we really haven't talked about it, but there is a map, and we have mentioned that you reserve land and then you put like you can build housing and towers. And it's like a very basic SimCity. It's, it's all incidental, really. Yeah, can, it's can, like it's like if you build a house next to a house, their values are gonna go up. But if you build a factory, the the values will mm-hmm. will plunge. And it's 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 not the most it's it's a very rudimentary city building mm-hmm. thing, but it actually kind of gets the job done. It's, yeah, sort of, no. it's the steak and bread, the right? Steak like, and bread of the game. And right there. and there's only three classes and but you know what though? Like in the game we played I had a, I had two houses that were just doing so well, and I was using that to get like a whole bunch of population in. And then Paul just plopped down a factory, and I was like, "Oh, I'm glad Paul did that because it shows that these factories, which are which lower housing values, it's like they have they a have purpose. a purpose, yep. and they are useful. And you did it exactly the way that that why it was intended. It's like th- there's a reason why this is in and, the game. And only one turn too late." One turn too late, but but that being said, as even though you see this big grid and you're like this, you think oh this is a game about like wheeling and dealing so that way you can build out the city. It's not. It, this is a game that takes place above the table. I think this is a mm-hmm. this is it's all about the discussion, um, and I think that people who like that are that, that's mm-hmm. who this game is for. For people who just want to have more of a worker placement thing, it, they're they're gonna they're gonna have a reaction where they say I did a whole round, I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. The game is not on the board. The game is. Uh in the people it is 100 percent in the people it's up to the people to keep it balanced it's Mm -hmm. up to the people to move have it move forward um and i think also to get to what you're saying like it is it what you wind up feeling like you're simulating what it's like to be in city hall and and all the actions make sense thematically right it makes sense you go to the campaign manager and your approval ratings Mm -hmm. go up it makes sense that you go to the tax assessor and you'll get money and but if you take out too much money your approval rating goes down like everything that you do makes sense and the fact that you are the auctions thematically make sense in terms of in spending influence back and forth between people yeah. this is a game that gets out of the way of the players uh, so we can have a good time like avalon and, 
Yes. <laughs> and, and, and for me, the mechanisms are really modest in the best uh, uh, in the best definition of that word, because both the bidding and the placement on the board are the minimal that you need to uh, interact and, and to have an effect mm. uh, of your actions. Uh, there's something very pleasurable about that. There, there's no Baroque complexity, Boone Lake, in here, <laughs> uh, that uh, gets in the way of what you're playing the game for. That's why the game lasts under two hours. By the way, it's not super short. No. Uh, you don't feel like it's too short. You don't feel like it's you're not just, long enough though to do what you want to do. That's for sure. It, it, it's not. But this is a game with ninety to ninety minutes to two hours, mm -hmm. uh, where it completely justifies that running time. You, you feel that the, you you do a lot. Mm -hmm. It's packed. It's exciting. And it's over without overstaying its welcome. And, and we were laughing when we were playing with Trey. I mean, Trey was cracking up, right? Like, yes, you know, Candace was enjoying Candace, it. Candace went out and bought it. On her first. Oh, oh good. She went out and bought go. it. She liked it that much. Uh, and, on sale? Uh, yeah, it's, it's super cheap. Yeah. And I want to say one more thing. The player aid is great. Yes. For me, this is the best player aid I've seen in terms of everything you need to know is on a double-sided rectangle of paper. You can refer to it. It's very clean. It's not cluttered. Um, it, 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 the language, except for one <laughs> action, mm -hmm. uh, the, the health commissioner, which I kept misinterpreting, yes. it is really concise. Um, and uh, somebody really thought about maybe not the decorations and, and the copper plate, but they thought about how to... Uh, the typography. Uh, it was very, of, of very clear, a nice, big player aid, and it's easy to see what you need to see. I think it's a really fun game. Um, and any final thoughts, Paul? Uh, I, like, you know, I think both of you, from what, uh, like, really like the game, I think I am probably a little less so. Uh, I, I do like the game. I think I would play it anytime. It reminds me of the estates a lot because mm -hmm. of the bidding aspect. Like, you know, th there is this conversion aspect of the game that you know where i am like oh does this feel to me tacked on but maybe it's because i'm comparing it to the estates where the goodness of the estates for me is like the bidding and stabbing and like undercutting and gaslighting and all blah 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 mm -hmm. uh and this game goes takes the beginning mechanics of that and then makes it into a more euro-esque mm -hmm. you know uh point conversion thing and you know like I, the point conversion is similar to uh, uh, brick and mortar, as we talked about, like you know, mm. like, uh, and I think that's that's fine. It's just like for me because I'm comparing it to a different game. I'm having, I'm wanting it to be something other than that, but that's not mm -hmm. the fault of the game. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I would say play it once first because mm -hmm. the it is very that off the rails thing. Like you know, like there are it will not protect you. The game will not protect you. Yeah. And so like you should play with people and go like, Oh, do I want this or not? Because I can easily see someone going like, nah, this is not for me. Yeah. But I would say the thing is to play it once is that not a lot of people have this game because they just didn't oh, buy it. Sure. And it's, there's no mods for it on TTS. I've looked. Mm -hmm. So you really can't just play it once, but it's also, it's, it's cheap. cheap. And especially if you can find it for $15 at this point, I, I, I hope that not too much of yeah, the stock has been li fully liquidated, yeah. but um, 
It's on Amazon for like yeah. $35, which is pretty cheap for games these days. So yeah. I think for at that price point. And if you don't like it, Ben will buy it back for you. <laughs> I will buy it back for you. But I'm hoping that like people give this game another shot sure. because I, I think, think it has I think it's a uh, I think it's a much better game than it got credit for when sure. it first came yeah, out. It, it definitely was underrated, I think. Yeah. Like, uh, anyway. I, I think there's a really a real dearth of games of this scope and, and this playtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90 minutes to two hours. I, I, I think it's a sweet spot for a lot of people, uh, and uh, that's a major plus. Estates is 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's very cutthroat. I don't think I could take Estates. For two hours? For two hours. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it's right. It's vicious. Uh, I, I love Estates, uh, but I, I, I think this, in order to have an Estates-like experience in two hours, you have to polish off some 100%, of 100%. Yeah. 100%. Speaking of 100%, 100%, I would love to play this game with Tom. I've not played it with Tom. That would be... like, And all of a sudden, like, there'll be an you know, addendum to this review. Actually, I take it back, this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom, I feel like Tom would see the Matrix with this game and he would just destroy us all. But yeah. like, you, it would be real fun to, to see Tom doing his magic with this one. Uh, Tom is Tom Anderson, isn't he? From the Matrix. Oh yes, the Mr. Anderson. Yes, yes, the Tom Anderson's yep. Matrix. But speaking know. of other movies, like you know, like the Matrix being, uh, you know, coming out uh, in Christmas, Encanto came out on uh, Disney Plus. Oh, uh, I it hear did. that it's uh, one of it's someone's favorite movie of, of the, the year. year. Wow! Uh, in, in fact, uh, if there's only a card riffle. Oh, uh, oh man! It almost seems like where it's time to move on to the discussion. Sure. <laughs> Huh. I just have to shuffle that review out of here. So for <laughs> for people like me, and there are some of us out there, Encanto is our Frozen. It, it really is a movie that sings to us. Uh, and it sings to me because it is the origin story of an Abasho. A what? It, a what? Oh, an Abasho. <laughs> Please go on. So an Abasho is this really weird Japanese word. Uh, for something kind of commonplace, but specific. And I feel it's a very useful word to use, to mm-hmm. describe it. And the basho is a place uh, where you can uh, be yourself uh, and where, where everyone there uh, sees you for who you are and accepts you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, there are many places like that. There are many groups like that. Uh, but it has that specific term. Uh, that I ran into three times in the last month, uh, once in Ada Palmer's uh, Terra Ignota science fiction series, uh, where she imagines a future where bashes, her term for Ibashos, have replaced the nuclear family as a basic uh, building block of society. Uh, one, um, although it's not, the word is not used, it's clearly what's uh, meant uh, in an article in the New York Times about the original Friendsgiving, uh, which New York uh, in the 80s, uh, 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 LGBTQ people getting together uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving when they can't go home and be seen for who they are and be themselves uh, and be accepted by their families, they create an abasho for Thanksgiving, to celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, And uh, even uh, my friend um, who plays golf, 
A golf can be an about show. You have four people, uh, and uh, they're four hours, uh, and there's not much to do, and it's outdoors, and mm -hmm. there's no loud music. Uh, he tells me, I just talk to them. We talk mm -hmm. to each other, and I say... Or drink. That's, or the best, drink. that's the best way to play golf. <laughs> yes, but the drink loosens the tongue. <laughs> um, and I ask, uh, well, what do you talk about? And, and my friend said, everything. So that's certainly an abasho. Uh, where you can be yourself, you can talk about anything you want, uh, and you can be seen and accepted. And uh, my question, of course, is, are we in a basho? Should we be in a basho? Could we be in a basho uh, as game brain? Uh, and in general, as uh, uh, gaming groups who get together and play games regularly. Uh, and uh, for me... Uh, Paul, you were skeptical about this topic, and I remember we were talking for uh, an hour or so, and you kept trying to get me to tell you, well, sure, it feels like an abasho, but functionally, what makes it an abasho, and why is it an abasho rather than something else? Versus like a safe space. Versus a safe space versus just a group of people of similar interests. Mm -hmm. uh, and a basho is not defined by interests. It's defined by being yourself. It's not defined by having... Commonality. Commonality. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's a very important distinction. Uh, and I think I have a killer argument for you. Killer. Wow. A killer well, argument. Like for it or against me. Uh, it's always for you. I'm always on your side, Paul. A killer I see you. So a killer argument for why we at Game Brain or, are an abasho. Yes. Or, and or it, can be an abasho. Or can be an abasho. Okay. And does, will this apply to game groups in general or just specifically It applies us? to game groups in general. Okay. So it goes like this. Uh, on this podcast, we talk about games. And we also tell stories. We tell stories about what happens in a, on our game nights. Uh, almost all stories are about struggles for power. There's some modernist James Joycean tales about a single person reaching an epiphany. But usually... Really? Do you, do you just grab for that? Just because I, I love that because like, seriously, right now, Matt is reading Ulysses. Well, there you go. <laughs> like, 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 I, I, did you know that? Like, like, I did not know that. Uh, so no. it, it's hilarious. Like, just, he, like, he's reading Ulysses with, like, you know, the, the, the study aid by, you know, in parallel. So the fact that you just grab James Joyce is hilarious. Well, I just also love that we started this podcast musing on whether it's can't stop, won't stop versus can stop, won't stop. And now here we are talking about James Joyce. But this is what we do here, right? <laughs> is it an abasha? So uh, most stories, unlike The Dead, by James Joyce, uh, are about struggles for power, where, where one person has too much, one person doesn't have enough, uh, and there's a struggle. Uh, so what that means is that this, we struggle for power uh, in game brain, uh, socially and when we play the games. Uh, and Paul, do you remember at dinner what you said uh, when kids are roughhousing and wrestling like in, in grade school and how a teacher knows that uh the the what you're referring to is like how do you know when kids are fighting versus uh when they're quote unquote horse playing 
what's the difference between fighting and horse playing? And the difference that you find out is that in horse play, where they are wrestling for fun, is that they take turns on who's on top. And in a game group, by definition, we take turns in who's on top. Uh, there are some game groups where one person always wins. Mm-hmm. But I think that those game groups are in the minority, and certainly Game Brain and our game night is in the minority. Because we play games, and because any one of us can win any game, and usually over the course of a year, someone will win several games. Uh, and it doesn't mean that all of us win an equal number of games, but it does mean that because we play games, we take turns okay. by definition about who's going to win, about who's going to come out on top. After doing it for years, that instills in us, that teaches in our consciousness an acceptance that in our power struggles, whether they be in games or socially or whatever arise in our friendships, everything that all the struggles, all the power struggles that we tell stories about, we're going to take turns. We, we don't even think about it that way, but through repetition, it, it, it's now in our conscious and in our unconscious. There's nobody here that we expect to be the loser all the time. And that's what makes us an abasha. Because, for example, a shire is not an abasha. Okay. Right? Like with a hobbit? The hobbit, yeah. Frodo's an outsider. Bilbo's an outsider. They always have to be an outsider. Losers. Uh, a, a farm on, exactly. And a short, too. Um, a farm on Tatooine uh-huh. is not going to be an abasha uh, because Luke is always going to want to leave. So what happens in a safe space like a Shire uh, or Tatooine is that somebody, when there's a story, somebody goes out and fights an abstract, mm-hmm. all-encompassing evil. The eye, the all-seeing eye of Sauron, the Death Star that's going to blow up. They go on a quest, then they come back. And in a Basho, like in the Disney movie Encanto, uh, the hero doesn't leave. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The Encanto. The story is about the power struggle within. Right. And since we as a game group are, are by definition always in a power struggle with each other because we're playing these games, that is, that is the power struggle within for our game group is through these games. That teaches us that uh, we're not, not any one of us is always going to be on top. We're going to take turns. Mm-hmm. And that is... We have to be good with it. So I guess my question is this. So when I remember a professor of mine in college, he, the, he would always say, I would, I would write a whole thesis. I write my paper and he's like, he'd always say, and he was like, so what? And so my question is to you and not in the, not in a rude way. So what? So, okay, we're in a Basho and therefore what, what does this mean for us? What, what is the, what is, what is the significance of that? Uh, <laughs> no and i'm not trying to, i'm not saying it to be like i'm not trying to be like a jerk I'm, I'm actually like i'm like okay i feel like you've made a actually very like compelling argument about this so now what can we take from that what does this mean for us what what does this teach us 
I think it is good to be yourself. It is good to be seen for who you are. It is good to be accepted. Uh, because the absence of that creates conflict that's unproductive. There's lots of conflict that is productive. Uh, but not being able to express yourself, uh, not being able to be seen or, or mm -hmm. people refusing to see you, that doesn't create anything new. That, that, that doesn't build a city or, 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 or a university or a country or, or, or even a writer's room. Uh, that's just heat uh, mm -hmm. w without light. Uh, so uh, it's good to have a way uh, to create a group uh, that is an abasho where there is light, where mm -hmm. you can be yourself and you can be seen. It's not like you're just coming there after work and you throw off your slippers and shout and, and, and drink <laughs> and whatever. It, it, it's a real community uh, where people expect to share power. So, okay. Oh, so the... So it's almost, I'm just trying to like, just try to, to follow this here. So because, because there is a constant power struggle and that no one is ever on top, that means that therefore the benefit of that is that uh, you get to be yourself because there's not one person who's saying this is the way everything is. Is that what you're sort of saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you, you're forced to respect and recognize uh, and, and, and see each other. Uh, like, like I hear what you're saying, uh, and the way that my brain translates that is like you know, in a basho is is a communal space where people are able to be themselves, as you say, and in that space, everyone it it services that community. Like, uh, and so I feel when I hear that, I go, there are actually probably several types of game groups. Uh, ours may be closer to an Abasho where we are not competition forward, but I feel like there are definitely people I've played with, not in our group necessarily, who only really care about the play and the competition. Mm -hmm. Who you, you, There are game groups where people go in and they go, I want to play Age of Steam or whatever game rarely ever social games but like definitely like uh games that are here's a winner and those people go in they play it they win they lose and then they go home and they don't know very much about the people that they play with aside from the fact that this person plays this game and i feel like there are definitely gamers who just enjoy that and there are game groups that are not abashos uh because that's not what they're looking for our ours tends mm -hmm. to be that way, but like you know, I think we make an assumption that because we tend to enjoy this communal uh, be yourselfness, you know, this this power sharing as opposed to power like like tournament style uh, game game playing, that all game groups should be this way. I, I don't know if that is true. Yeah, I, I'm wondering about like the correlation. Like I'm wondering, you know. Like it seems like the the nature of almost every game group is that there is a constant power struggle. People show up time and time again, and there's some you know different people win the game. So by that definition, 
if that's like one of the things that makes an Abasho that there's like a constant power struggle and no one's ever at the top for too long. It sounds like a lot of places could be Abashos, but I also don't think that like all those places mean that you can necessarily be yourself in them. Uh, so one of the reasons that um, I feel we're close to being an Abasho is because... Our game group. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is because Tom, who whom you call the cruise director, <laughs> um, definitely wants that kind of space, I feel. I feel Matt wants that kind of space. Ben, I feel you want that kind of space. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think you invite people who are going to be super competitive and are... are anti. In my mind, I always thought it was antisocial. anti-social. Maybe it's like anti-Abasho. But there's... Ooh, <laughs> anti-Abasho. I mean, it might be. I mean, that... No, no, but it, I think, yeah. yeah. Anti-Abasho, yes. But there's something here which I think is essential. No one can go attend a game group expecting to win all the time. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't happen that way. People tend to play with people at their level because okay. they're going to be bored. I, well, you know, I think, as, I like, think I'm getting, I think I'm understanding what you're, well, as I, as I interrupt you, I think I'm starting to understand in my mind, it's sort of saying like, if you view your game group as an Ibasho where people will, you'll, sometimes you'll win and sometimes you'll lose. Maybe that allows you to focus on maybe creating those friendships as opposed to focusing on, I got to win. I got to win. I got to win. It removes a barrier. And I'm going to flip that. Uh, I, I think in an Abasho, to have an Abasho, whether it's a game group or in the Pentagon or in, 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 a, in a grade school classroom uh, or at the Christmas party, uh, you have to have the idea that anyone can be on top at any given moment. And, and we need to switch uh, or else the teacher is going to come in and, and put a stop to it. And, and we're, we're going to stop wrestling. We're going to stop having fun. A game group, a competitive game group, by definition, teaches you to accept that some people will be on top some of the time, mm-hmm. but no one will be on top all of the time. So it's an, a basic building block of an abasho that I believe most people who play games in game groups, who like to compete with people at their skill level rather than crushing. Here, here's me and three six-year-olds playing Monopoly. That's not fun, <laughs> right? So you want most game groups basically have people at the same uh, level of competitiveness, at the same level of skill. Mm-hmm. They have it already as part of their nature, the acceptance that different people will be on top at different times. Mm-hmm. And that's an essential building block of an Abasho. And for a lot of people, the most difficult, the hardest building block to install. There's already a foundation yeah. of an Abasho. It's not as hard to to build an actual Abasho on top of it because that foundation is already there. I mean, I think it's an interesting point. And I think that actually you can broaden it to not just like the act of winning a game that that there's always going to be a power show. you can't always expect to be winning the game right that there you'll have your sometimes you'll have your moment and sometimes you won't I think you could expand that to a topic that like we have actually discussed many times and even on this very own podcast about self advocacy right that like you know for me as I've said many times in this podcast one thing that I'm working on is like 
dealing with expectations of when I go to a game night that like sometimes I want a game to be played or not. And like, I guess you could say that if you approach it, like sometimes you get your game played and sometimes you don't, that's its own power struggle in the game night. Right. Or even sometimes you get your voice heard in Avalon and sometimes you don't. Cutting close. <laughs> that's a part. Cutting close. Right. I mean, but isn't that like you're talking about power struggles? That's, I mean, that's a power struggle for me personally. Uh, game brain and the game group before that has acted as an abasha. I, I know that because I made friends like Paul, like Alfred, like you, Ben, uh, like Matt, uh, like David Gillison, playing games that I would not have uh, in other places. I, I met Paul before. Uh, I met Trey many times. I, I've, I've met uh, David Gillison before. Uh, having met them again in game group, uh, we didn't form any kind of connection. Mm -hmm. We didn't form any kind of bond. We didn't see each other mm -hmm. uh, until we played games uh, across the table. Do you think that if you have players of different skill levels in a game group, that that is an anti-Abasho move? Uh, Paul. What do you uh, think about that? Because you you play all you'll always play with people who are not as good as you. Dang, <laughs> dang. I actually I would I would say that you don't. It's not required that people are of the same mm -hmm. uh, skill level. Uh, I I I don't think that's a requirement. I think ultimately uh, the requirement I, I I would say the requirement is actually people having willingness to win and lose. Because mm -hmm. there's some people you play with and they cannot deal with losing. They cannot, and, and and you know, like, uh, and if they won't submit to my power, <laughs> I mean, the way the way that Dimitri flipped that city hall game board, yeah, I was right. like, we're having an abasho here. But but you know, but it I, I have to say that I did not spit on Boon Lake. I did not spill a beer or a diet coke on Boon Lake. Yeah. I did not damage Boon Lake, and then and I finished playing mm -hmm. it but, at but, two a.m. in the morning. But the, but the real thing is like you know, I, I think people have to be in any successful game group that I enjoy, because there are, there are game groups that I would not enjoy, uh, is this willingness to go, oh, this is not real life. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is just, I'm taking a break from reality, and I'm going to play this thing, and I'm going to get all my, you know, my enjoyment from this make-believe conflict that isn't really conflict in, mm -hmm. in real life. And I personally enjoy when people get overly invested in this conflict and you know and and go like yellow submarine that was mine <laughs> you know like I, I i particularly enjoy that but like there are some people who go like oh this is training for me mm -hmm. i'm going in to play this game because i'm going to win the Catan nationals or i'm going to uh uh just get really good at this game at, really good at avalon yeah, yeah. Like, right avalon is hard because like it's it's there's not just one winner but like, but like things where there are there's a there's a winner and there's a loser, uh, like like I'm gonna I'm gonna drift a little bit and I'll go to what Dimitri is talking about screenwriting and basically whether it be Star Wars or The Matrix or whatever. Like there is a there are you know this is a very gendered way of like this, but the, of phrasing it. But this is what the teacher who I. Uh, I, you know, read, you know, Michael Haig. And he goes, there are, in movies, there are masculine journeys and feminine journeys. I apologize for the genderness. It's it's just 
it's mm-hmm. Michael Haig's fault. Yeah, uh, and so and in the '80s we see these like real, uh, I'm the prince or I'm the hidden prince, and I'm going to go solve the problem outside the world and come mm-hmm. back. You know, like Star Wars is that I'm. I'm deep down special, but no one knows. And then I'm going to go and destroy the, you know, the Death Star. I'm com- yeah, whatever. Uh, and that's a very common, uh, common style of storytelling. The other style toy- storytelling that would be described as the more, whatever, feminine uh, version. Uh, I apologize once again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is like you know, here is uh, here is the princess staying in the kingdom. And she is correcting some great imbalance, you know, and in, in a basho, like, I, I feel like, you know, there is this idea if I'm, I'm just riffing off you, Dimitri, where like, ultimately we are, you know, we're always trying to achieve that balance of like everyone getting along, mm-hmm. you know, everyone being able to be who they are. And it's not slaying dragons. It's not winning a game. But the meta game of like everyone having fun, right? You know, and and I think I think that there is a certain a bit of advocacy, mm-hmm. self advocacy that needs to be able you have to be empowered to do. There is has to be some version of like oh I am seen, mm-hmm. you know, not not just because I advocate for myself, but because everyone in the group sees you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's required for an abasho, and but then if, yeah, and sorry. Lastly, and most importantly. That's respected. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, like you know, and these are non, like you know, it's not an age of steam or a game thing. Like it's the, it's the, what it's emergent from the propinquity of of uh, playing the game together. Well, so if if you have, if it's so, if we're talking about abashos again, where it's the there's a power struggle, and you have to know that there's a power struggle. Um, if you have a situation where you're choosing games, and one person says. Oh, here's a game that I think would be cool. And one person says, well, I want to play this game. And if I don't play this game, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. Is that them being saying like, this is who I am. I'm allowed to be who I am. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm stating what I want and I'm advocating for myself. And like, now you see what I want. Or is that them going against the spirit of the Abasho? And so uh, he, uh, 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 Dimitri? And I would say <laughs> that is the dilemma of the Abasho where like, you know, you, and it's always that balance where you are trying to, like there's one point where you're like, I need to advocate for myself because that's important. That, mm-hmm. and and there is and that is a hundred percent valid. But there's the other part of like, I need to protect the group dynamic, and like that is anti-group dynamic. And sometimes they're going to be in opposition. And the real trick of it is to know which context to take at any given point. I think that's the struggle of maintaining uh, a place where you can be yourself. Because the truth is, you can't, being yourself does not mean getting everything you want all the time. Right. The truth is, like, you know, being yourself is being your best self and knowing when it's essential that you need this and advocating for yourself. And when you need to just take a step back and go, you know what, I'm going to play whatever Avalon today. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm going to succumb to Avalon. Yeah, but... uh the answer i feel to your query is very simple uh you can absolutely say we're playing this game tonight or i go home absolutely you can't say that every night okay and in fact if you say that one night the next night is going to be somebody else's turn you know this 
Yes, you, you should you, know. You know there's something very basic about that. It, it's part of uh, being not antisocial. Uh, and in fact, I like uh, the Hague saying, or you saying, like, be like a princess. You know, a princess w- has all the prerogative in the world to stop her foot down and say, we're playing it my way. We're having cake tonight. Right. <laughs> you, you, you know? But a real princess will not do that every night or she knows that she will lose the throne. Yeah. You know, she'll never get to be queen. She'll be abducted it, it, by Bowser. Yes, she keeps if, up with if that. she acts that way all the time. <laughs> uh, and, and Paul said something that I absolutely believe, that in the 80s there was that idea of the hero quest uh, 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 of the guy, the male, the masculine, uh, going out, uh, of of the village and confronting the bad evil. And in the 80s, we had the Soviet Union. We had the great Satan, in, in Ronald Reagan's words. Uh, and our struggle, for most of us, uh, was against an outside foe that we saw was an all-powerful existential threat that could destroy us in the nuclear war. Right now, we're fighting each other. Internal balance is what we're missing. That's right. So right now, the female story of correcting the We apologize for the genderization again. <laughs> problem. Yes. Yes. The, uh, the, the, uh, I won't use the gendered. Uh, the prince S <laughs> story was, of correcting was... an internal problem. Uh, of having an internal power struggle and making sure that it's corrected in, in, in a way that makes everybody happy um, is that's why we're having games of that's why we're having Game of Thrones now instead mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the most recent Matrix uh, and, and uh, spoiler uh, is not about men and machines or people versus machines anymore. It's about people and machines versus people and machines. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's much more of not a hero quest, but a game where everybody is a person, where everybody has agency, where everybody channels their power in a struggle to restore uh, the balance, not destroy Sauron. We're not going out Mm -hmm. to blow up Mordor. Mm-hmm. And then everything will be fine. Uh, we're, we're we're trying to get our, all the people in the Shire to stop uh, excluding Bilbo. So when we're playing these games where we're it's either win or win or lose, the irony is that it's really not about winning or losing. It's never about that, right? We're, ne- we're never we're, we're not like you know. To Trey will uh, often bring up a book called Infinite uh, Finite and Infinite Games. In his and then ultimately, like a finite game will end, as in you know. But infinite game is the meta which you are playing over. I, I always talk about how I'm not playing any one game. I'm playing the infinite game of game group that I'm yeah. trying to keep it lasting. So, you know, I I understand. I think what Dimitri is saying, and I go like, oh, I, I see. I see what the elements are. But you know, I think most people in our group are actually. We're playing. That's that's the game that we're really playing. We're playing game group. Mm-hmm. We're playing game brain. Uh, and I think it's it's it, for people. Like you know, like it's 
it'd be an interesting exercise to say, like, what is your game group? Is your game group one where you are just honing your sword at and trying to get good at games, which is totally fine. That's that's a totally valid type of game group. I th- and I and I feel like if you want to get good at games, you like our 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 weakness is that we don't actually get really good at games. I've mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. Trey is one of the best uh, Agricola players, players in, yeah. in in Southern California. We don't study with Trey. We yeah. In fact, we don't play with we don't play with Trey. Mm. I, I play, wait, no, I played. Wait, do we both play with a quick with Trey? Oh no, actually, no. no I played with Alfred. We played online. I, yeah. I I entered the lion's den, and I felt like I came this close to beating Trey. It's very uh, upset. Uh, 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 Basho. Oh, but, yeah, but like, but like, but what we really play. I think as anyone who really takes to our group, who really really plays game brain the meta like you know the game group you know like and your enjoyment of the game it lives on that level i think most people who have long lasting game groups are playing that meta game not the individual night game the individual night game that you play is just an excuse to continue the infinite game of mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of your game group does that make sense am yes. i am yeah. i sounding crazy yeah i i i think that ultimately um even though Ada Palmer in Terra Ignota uh, shows a civil war among an Abasho uh, structured society, um, and the civil war is a terrible thing, uh, as terrible thing as a war with the Soviet Union. Uh, I, I, I think that um, Abasho nature uh, is something that will save us. Uh, and anything that promotes Abasho nature, like I think game playing does uh should should be promoted this has been very enlightening i've definitely um i'm still still wrapping my head around the concept i think there's like a lot of subtleties that i have to sort of like let sink in but it's uh it is fascinating to think about you know if you view your game group as an abasho what what lessons can you learn from it and how can that maybe help your perspective in attending your game nights. Oh, I think this is a classic Dimitri, epi- uh, Dimitri episode. Classic Dimitri ep. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up on that note. Thank you for um, for enlightening me a little bit uh, on this topic and and causing causing me to actually use more than just my game brain, but my actual brain brain a little bit. That was fun. I don't get to do that very often. And uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by... Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. And what music is that, you might ask? It's this music right here. There it is. <laughs> uh, more on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edamara Peleg for our incredible graphics. Be sure to check him out on Instagram at Kerbuloni or at his website Kerbuloni.com you can reach us at email at contact at gamebrainpod.com or on twitter at gamebrain underscore pod thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or make some friends with games whoa you did it yeah I started the music late on purpose yeah Uh, see you next year guys happy new year